you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in located in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's our flagship network. Proud to be part of it. And, of course, uh, you know, preceding us is uh, uh, Russ Dizdar. A wonderful show, folks. Uh, Russ has got a great show. And then before that, of course, Ted Brower and... Um, Dave Hodges on Sunday, and my goodness, and, and uh, subsequent to, to our show, uh, a replay of uh, Dr. Brower's show as well. So, I mean, it, there's just so much. So you never have to change your dial. It's, uh, just keep it right here. Never have to change your preferences on your computer. Just keep it right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Now, we all, we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, of course. It's BTR, and you can watch us live and by archive on our YouTube channel, folks. Um, just go to hagmanandhagman.com. There you'll see all the navigation uh, links, whether audio, video, whatever you'd like to, uh, whatever your choice might be. Don't forget, we've got two different websites, hagmanandhagman.com and hagmanreport.com. The latter, of course, being for news, information, analysis, articles, things that you need to know in these perilous times. And I'm Doug Hagman, along with Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's Premier Father-Son Investigative Reporting Team. We do dig deep into topics, and we're, we're going to be digging into some topics tonight. Um, we're going to just touch on some headlines first, and then uh, following that, InfoWars' Joe Biggs, who is actually on his way to Dallas to cover the rally there, will be joining us right through the top of the hour, or as close to that. Um, and then subsequent to that... Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have to leave and then, uh, Joe is going to be, uh, uh, with John Robertson and discussing issues of the day. So it's going to be, it's really going to be a great show. I really would urge everyone to tune in and stay tuned in. It's, uh, 
It's fa- it's, it's going to be a fabulous show, and a lot of great information. And you know, Joe, I was talking, uh, or I was looking at the different headlines today, and man, it and and Eric too. Um, all, you know, all the three of us here in studio right now. Uh, crazy stuff going on. But you know, be, before we get into all of this, I just want to m- mention as well. Next Tuesday, we're going to have really a first. Um, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for this show. Uh, a first in in our in, in our programming history. We're next having, Tuesday, yeah. Next Tuesday, we're going to have an in studio guest. Yeah, the twenty first. Now, think about that in studio guest. Um, Jack Cashel, the author of a new book about TWA Flight 800. And if you haven't pre-ordered that, please do so. You, you can pre, you can do that through uh, World Net Daily, I believe, but uh, it's on Amazon.com. The um, uh, I, I just I, wow, you know the. the I cannot say enough good about Jack Cashel as an investigative journalist, investigative reporter, and as an investigator. TWA Flight 800, looking back, and again, this is going to be, this happened on July 17th, the uh, takedown of TWA Flight Flight 800, excuse me, happened on July 17th, 1996, which was 20 years ago, the next month. And this book is coming out, Jack's book is coming out on July 5th, of 2016. So, uh, very close to the 20th anniversary of this, of this horror, horrible event that, t- that killed 230 people. And, uh, the third deadliest, uh, incident, aviation incident in, uh, U.S. Ter- U.S. territory. That's yeah, that'll horrible. be a lot of fun. Again, Jack Cashel will be in yes. studio with us next Tuesday. Can't wait for it. We have, uh, our guest for the first hour with us, um, he is a reporter for InfoWars. He is a veteran who served two tours in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. Mr. Joe Biggs. Uh, a true patriot, by the way. Yeah. Joe, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, well, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on. Uh, folks, uh, Joe Biggs is an InfoWars reporter. He's an investigative journalist. And as Joe said, a uh, uh, a well-hardened uh, v- uh, veteran, two, ter- uh, two, two uh, tours in uh, Afghanistan and one in Iraq. Uh, Joe, you're on your way right now to Dallas, is that right? Yeah, we just got to Dallas about an hour and a half ago, and uh, there are people pouring into the event. There's the largest police presence I've ever seen at any Trump event thus far. I spoke with one of the uh, police officers, and they said what happened in San Jose will not happen here. And you can definitely tell they've locked this place up tight. Some protesters were able to kind of trick their way in, and they were quickly removed. So I do not see any type of uh, large action happening, any kind of protest anywhere in front or around the event. Although there is a protest that's outside the fence walking around the building right now, but that, they're further away and pushed back from all the people trying to get in. Wow. All right. Well, Joe, we uh, we follow you on uh, InfoWars. We follow your, your work. We follow you... Uh, uh, we, 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 we pay YouTube, close Facebook, attention. Twitter, yeah. yeah. We pay very close attention to what, what you're doing. Well, let me ask you, what, what's the general feeling or what's your general feeling as you are really at ground zero there in, in Dallas right now? 
what's your what's your take on things there and then things in general with respect to Trump and uh, the protesters and, and the riots uh, that I expect? Well, I mean, this one by far so far is the calmest one, and that's just due to the large police presence that is here. Like I said, they, they don't... They're not going to take what happened in uh, San Jose lightly. They're not going to want to have something like that happen here. So they've definitely done, uh, you know, a good job at keeping that back and not allowing these chaotic people to come in here and harass people that want to go in. But there's, you know, there's other events I've been to as well, you know, across the country where the police just don't do anything. And it's almost like they stand down and allow these social justice warriors to literally attack attack people that are trying to come in and out of these events and then say that they're hateful, that they're sexist, racist, misogynist, because they like Donald Trump. And that's just completely and totally ridiculous because these people are not that way at all. They just want to be here. They want to hear a presidential candidate speak, and they should have that right to be able to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Joe, what's your take on, on the ability of the media to be able to spin the protesters disrupting the Trump event, assaulting supporters of Trump, to be able to spin that and blame Trump and his supporters for that violence? Well, they spin it by calling them protesters when, in fact, what they are are rioters. You know, they're people that come out here, they intend to do harm, they have no love for the country. You never see one American flag in those crowds, but you see tons of foreign flags, you see Mexican flags. And you see people burning and desecrating the American flag, which to me is spitting in the face of the veterans, the people who love this country, who fought for this country like myself, like my father, like my family. You know, that's, that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen, to see someone come out and burn the flag. Yeah, it's just a flag. Yeah, you have the freedom to do it. But at the same time, have some respect for people. You don't go and burn, you know, or, or you know, trash talk someone who just died. I mean, you just do that out of respect. You leave those people alone. And you don't desecrate our flag, and you don't spit in the face of veterans. It's just completely, totally out of control. Amen, brother. And, and I'm right there with you. Uh, Joe, um, do you expect, you know, I, I got like a thousand questions. Joe and I were talking before the show. We've got so many questions for you. And, again, just based on your, uh, uh, really based on your, your experience and, and your your you're at the tip of the spear, really. Um, where do you see things taking place here with with respect to this election, 2016 election? I mean, I remember the 68 election. Uh, you know, I mean, is that going to pale in comparison to the riots, the, the protests back then? Is that going to are they going to pale in comparison to what we're, we're what we're about to see here? I think it's going to get worse because of the fact that we have social media now. You know. Everyone has the ability to go out and basically put news up and spin it in any kind of way possible. And now the mainstream media no longer does its job in any kind of way. Fox News completely neglects stuff. They call them protesters. They do this and that. And they don't call things what they are. You know, radical Islam is radical Islam. Violent rioters are violent rioters. And yet we want to put the label peaceful protesters on it. And these people, by calling them protesters, it gives them the free pass to continue doing what they do. They, go, they watch TV and they go, oh, we're just peaceful protesters, you know. They don't have any shame, and it continues to grow, and people see this, and they go, well, I can go be a protester, and then I can go harass people. When, in fact, what they do, you know, like in Ferguson, for example, people burning down buildings, shooting at firefighters, at police officers, at reporters, cutting the fire hoses, that's not a protest. That is violence. That is terroristic in nature. Amen. I, Amen and I, to that. And I think what's going to happen in, in DNC, or the RNC in Cleveland, the DNC in uh, Philly, 
is really going to you know set a huge standard for how the rest of this year really pans out. You know, I, I think this is going to be one of the worst summers we've seen, you know, with these social justice warriors who are able to get away with whatever they want. And then we have a president who can't even call radical Islam radical Islam. He calls a terror attack in Orlando hate slash terror. So when you call it hate slash terror, you take away from the fact that it is terror. You're saying that it could be something else. And what it is is they do that because the FBI has failed to protect the people. The FBI's job is to sit these people out, and they got... This guy, Omar Mateen, got past these guys numerous times. And then the gun owners at these stores called in and reported Omar Mateen when he came to buy body armor, weapons, numerous places contacted the police and the FBI, and nothing was done. So we have a government, a president, a commander-in-chief who can't even do his responsibilities. He has no love for the American country. He seems to be a radical Islamic sympathizer to the highest extreme. And that's the scary thing. Things are going to get really worse before they ever begin to get better. And hopefully Donald Trump could be the guy to help straighten things out. But at the same time, he does have a lot of big faults. But Hillary Clinton, we definitely can't take a chance with that. No, you're absolutely right. And you said a lot of things that were uh, very true that I don't know how many people have heard in our audience today. Uh, There has been news that have come out, you know, that, Disney, uh, th- this Omar Mateen has, was caught scouting Disney and had the authorities called on him then. A, a, uh, owner of a gun shop refused to sell him guns because of his mannerisms and, and odd behavior and then contacted the authorities. He was already on the FBI's radar, had been interviewed by the FBI two or three times prior to this uh, attack, yet he slips through their fingers and you know, they want to come out and blame the guns, even blame Christians and Republicans for this. But, you know, too often they talk about what could we have done to prevent this? Well, everything that should have been done was done to prevent this, except the authorities uh, taking a stand and, and doing their jobs. That's right. The liberal logic is this. You could have a liberal riding a bicycle down the road. They could shove a spoke, a wooden stick into their, uh, you know, the, the wheel, and they fall down and blame it on guns. That's what liberals do. <laughs> You know, and everyone keeps going, oh, my God, how could Omar Mateen, who had been investigated and looked at by the FBI, go out and buy guns? Well, it's the same reason that we have a presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, that can run for a president while being investigated by the FBI. So there's a large thing going on here. It's a huge problem. Yeah, in, indeed there is. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. You, you know, um, Joe, I know our time is with you is limited uh, because of your schedule. And, folks, please uh, follow Joe Biggs on uh, Facebook and, and uh, also Infowars.com. Uh, Alex Jones, Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Biggs, and, of course, the entire staff at Infowars, great friends of ours. We, uh, we certainly respect their work. But, Joe, let me ask you, uh, your thoughts about... Um, about what happened in Orlando. I mean, is everything, uh, uh, where, do, where do you even start there? Where do you start there? What do you see? To, what are your thoughts about Orlando? Well, my thoughts were initially, it's kind of hard for one guy to come in here and carry out this attack alone. Now, were there multiple shooters inside? I don't know. You know, but someone had to help them. And we know now that the wife initially lied to the FBI, said she had no prior knowledge to, uh, his involvement, Omar Mateen's involvement and or planning of that event. And now it's come out that she knew that he was going to carry this attack out, that she drove him to Disney. She drove him to the Pulse uh, nightclub. She drove him to buy the ammunition. 
So she was a part of it. But on the ground, I was able to speak to survivors, people who were inside the club uh, that were that were left unscathed, who weren't injured, they got out, and then some friends of guys who were inside that were in the hospital, and they all thought that there were multiple shooters. So, you know, that's the word. But then now, now there's other reports as well of saying that the fact that the police had been kind of firing wildly into the building as well in hopes of getting this terrorist. You know, they didn't know it was a terrorist at the time, but they were shooting rounds. And then it's a possibility that some of these uh, police rounds could have hit some of the people inside the nightclub as well, which is another problem. You know, so, you know. I heard that too. Talking yeah. to these we- people, to these no, people and, you know, hearing firsthand accounts is kind of, there's some sketchy stuff. But, I mean, it definitely happened. People are injured. People are hurt. People's lives are changed forever. You know, but less guns is not going to solve the problem. You know, no. we saw no. what happened in Boston. They didn't have guns. They used bombs. You know, you take guns away, then what happens? And they're going to find something else. Then you're going to get more of what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. You're going to have people, they're going to make, you know, roadside bombs, IEDs, things like that. So the guns aren't the issue. There's crazy people in this world that want to do harm to us because we are America. We have freedoms. They hate what we stand for. And at the end of the day, they want to take us out. Wow. That's right. I mean, yeah. just look at what's happened in the U.K. today. Um, One of their parliamentarians uh, stabbed. And shot. And shot. Yeah. And this is a, a gun-free Killed, uh, right? country. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it actually, uh, they, they're delaying the bare exit vote now after uh, Joe Cox is her name. Um, uh, she is uh, the Labor MP, uh, dies after being shot and stabbed outside the uh, library. And uh, they're they're saying, and this might only be speculation at the time, but that they are going to uh, temporarily uh, uh, put off the bare exit vote due to this. Yeah, I mean that, that's what that's what terrorism does. Terrorism is meant to stop things. Terrorism is meant to scare people. You know, I was in Paris uh, just 24 hours after the attack, and Paris, which is usually a very vibrant area, full of culture, full of passion, uh, was pretty dead. People were scared to go out. No one wanted to go out. There was no light, nightlife. Everything closed down, and that's what these terrorists want. They want to stop what it is we do. They want to stop us from having fun because they don't agree with it. They want to stop people. And they say it's not about religion, but when the guy calls in to 911 beforehand and saying that he's pledging allegiance to uh, al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, that he's doing it in the name of Allah, yeah, that's kind of a religious thing, you know? And the fact that the left keeps saying, no, we have to be progressive, we have to be accepting, we have to be tolerant. Well, guess who's not tolerant? The same people they're protecting, radical Islam. The same people who throw homosexuals off bridges. The same ones in Saudi Arabia who behead them. The same ones that make their their women slaves, in a sense, cover their bodies. They're not allowed to go out and have jobs. They can't go do things. You know, this isn't a tolerant group of people, and it's, it's, it's completely and totally psychotic that the left can sit there and go, well, I think that's okay, let's protect them. No. We're at war with radical Islam, and that's what we need to do. We need to treat it as such. And, and, and that's, uh, to, to me, um, just from my point of view, to hear Donald Trump talk about the the, the problem, you know, Obama can't or won't, I shouldn't say can't, will not use radical Islam terrorism in the same sentence. 
And, 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 you know, we go back to 2008, uh, Joe, when, when, uh, when we were, and, and others, yourself, uh, uh, Infowars, looking at Obama's lineage, heritage, you know, where he came from, of course. And, uh, uh, arguably, it was never a distraction. It was really the, the point is, as to his, um, eligibility. Help me out here, Joe. I'm kind of drifting, but, you know, it, it, it's all of this. It seems like we're, we're, we're kind of leading to some sort of series of events. Or some some of event horizon that Obama really um, has uh, facilitated, accelerated, and now Donald Trump comes on the scene. And of course, where you're at now, Channel Five News down there, uh, they're reporting that uh, you know, hey, Dallas police is, is really a, they've got this uh, they've got the area on lockdown right now ahead of uh, ahead of uh, the uh, the rally. So, I mean, it's just. You know, so much going on. 2008. You're back in 2008, what you're talking about when Obama was uh, elected. I was in Afghanistan, and you know, a lot of people don't know about this, but a lot of soldiers, a lot of us are wide awake. A lot of us knew uh, the history of Obama. We knew where this guy came from, and American soldiers in combat turned their flags upside down on their uh, uniforms. And Afghanis and people would walk over and go, you know, why is that on your shoulder like that? Your flag's upside down. And everyone would go, our country is going to be in distress. This is a the first step in the you know the, the decline of what America is, what it stands for, what it represents. True freedoms, true liberty. Man, I you know I did I heard some some rumblings for, about the military during the uh, 08 elections. Um, it, but I thought it was just partisan loyalty to Bush, and you know. But 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 you're saying it was kind of it was it was more than more than that. There was a general feeling of, uh, yeah, we're in trouble, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, most of the soldiers I know, it, it, it's, I'd have to say it's about fifty-fifty. You know, I'm not a fan of Bush, and I know a lot of the guys that I was with over there were not fans of Bush. I mean, when we're in Afghanistan, we would watch loose change. You know, we would watch these documentaries and try to kind of have an open mind as to what's going on around us. Not just situational awareness in combat, but situational awareness in the world, our government, what these leaders are trying to do, and look at it from behind the curtain to make a really well, uh, you know, educated, you know, thought process as to what's going to be happening in the near future. You know, and a lot of us were really kind of sad and we were worried when this whole thing happened. And we've been proven right time and time again. And he said, We've got so many people in America right now that are just blinded by, you know, horrible media coverage that completely praise this man. I mean, <laughs> how do you get the Peace Prize and you've drawn the more innocent civilians? I mean, I, I don't know how this guy gets praised so much. I mean, yeah, Bush was bad, but I don't have to deal with Bush right now. I have to worry about Obama, and then right. we have to worry about Hillary Clinton. And as I'm talking right now, there's about 10 cops on horses coming in through a fence. There's another six behind me, uh, armored vehicles now, and tons of uh, police in the area as more people begin to show up. Okay, so how, how close are you to the uh, the actual area where... Uh, I'm at the uh, very front door. The, okay, all right, all right. So they have all the... They have a large police presence at the very front door, and I would say 50 yards in any direction, they've pushed out barricades. Uh, they have news cruise trucks parked in front of us. No one can get by. They have uh, police vehicles. There's probably upwards of 40 
police vehicles inside this uh, gated area to allow the protesters to come in without being harassed by, or allow the uh, Trump supporters to come in without being harassed by uh, protesters, so to say. Gotcha. Now, yeah. you, you've covered a number of these events and, and other uh, different protests and, and uh, civil unrest situations. And you've seen the progression from the the crowds, and it looks like Texas has their their stuff together. Uh, we've heard stories about the RNC in Cleveland, you know, getting thirty million, fifty million dollar grants from the Department of Homeland Security for riot gear in anticipation of of uh, trouble at the RNC. Uh, do you think that it's a state issue when it comes to protecting the Trump supporters and his ability to give a speech? Um, or is this an organization with the government, the RNC? Um, or do you expect to see this in, in other states? Because as my dad said earlier, we see the uh, the previous protests where it's you know a free for all. The security is is not doing their job, and you know we were thinking about going to cover the RNC ourselves. And, uh, you know, we know that's going to be just a, a huge powder keg. But are, are these and these protesters intensifying in numbers and in their their actions? I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're completely being brainwashed. And at the same time, they're being empowered by, you know, media outlets like MSNBC and CNN to come out and do these things. I mean, they almost praise them as heroes for this new progressive America, this, this extreme left-wing society that they want. You know, but what's going to happen at the RNC is going to be really big because even in Austin alone, the Austin PD is sending 89 officers to the RNC in Cleveland. That's just from one police department. That's in Texas they're sending to Cleveland. There's multiple other cities and states that will be sending a large number of officers to go out there. These guys have been training for riot control. They've been gearing up. They've bought tons of ammunition. They've bought tons of body armor, riot gear. And, uh, you know, it's almost like they're inciting it by doing that. You know, when you say that you're doing this, people, these crazy ones that believe that, you know, everybody, that Trump's going to, like, kick out every single migrant and we're going to stop immigration completely because they're uneducated. The fact is, we want to stop the process for a minute. We want to figure out a better way to vet people coming in. And the fact that people hear that, that there's, they just hear Trump's words that we're going to put a wall up and we're going to ban Muslims. But they don't think about, all right, what happened in Paris? What happened in San Bernardino? What happened in Orlando? Maybe we should stop this for a minute. Maybe we should take a step back because even the FBI said we cannot properly vet all these Syrian refugees. And since Orlando, 840, what is it, 847 Syrian refugees have already been brought into our country. This is, it almost seems like it's being orchestrated, like they want this. They want people to come in, they want chaos, and they want to move closer to a police state because what I'm seeing right now here in Dallas is a police state. This place is like the Pope is here. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. There's police towers in the parking lot. People are being searched. I mean, vehicles everywhere. And, and cameras on every vehicle. I mean, it's insane. J- Joe, have uh, have you had some close calls in, in your coverage of, of this election cycle, these events? I, I mean, um, I, I know that you've been in, at the epicenter of, of so many of the, the terrorist events or the, the terrorist acts of terrorism, as you as you mentioned, uh, you know, Paris and such, Orlando. But but with respect to the election, have you had some close calls there? 
Um, at the rallies, no, not really, because a lot of these people that don't like us still watch InfoWars. Uh, they know who I am. A lot of them will tend to kind of stay away from me. Uh, but, you know, in Ferguson, you know, there was a few times that I had some close calls, you know. Ferguson was intense. But, you know, just because it's not going to happen to me, there's a lot of people that come to these events know. And it's, it's, uh, it's empowering people that are pro-Trump supporters to come out to these events and hold their heads high when they know there's a good chance that they could get attacked, spit on, have eggs thrown at them, belittled by these crazy leftists. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Joe, if I can get your take on a, a, a trend that we're seeing increasing uh, in the social media world, the, the censorship uh, through social media. We see the progression of how ISIS and other organizations have been able to use Twitter and Facebook to uh, coordinate, network, and, and spread their messages. Um, but on the, we're seeing things like women uh, for Trump being censored from Facebook, uh, you know, gays for Trump being censored from Twitter. But these, uh, you know, terror groups are allowed to uh, continue to post without, you know, being interrupted by these companies. How far, Do you see yeah, this social media censorship going, you know, full-blown to basically what we are talking about right now becoming hate speech? Yeah, I mean, you know, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg has already come out and said that within 24 hours they're going to start shutting down accounts and posts that they believe to be offensive. You know, sorry if you find something offensive, but it's my freedom of speech. Now, you know, if I go off and I go on some, you know, bad rant, uh, do I look bad afterwards? Yes. But do I have the right to do it? Of course. But, I mean, people need to use good judgment in what they say and how they do things, you know, at a professional level. But still, people have the ability to say stuff. So. You know, for example, yesterday, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, he is a uh, homosexual white man who dates black men. He's a writer for Breitbart. And his Twitter account was shut down because he put something out about radical Islam. Twitter censored him, shut him down, took all of his followers away, and made him start over again. Now, is it that big of a deal? No, it's Twitter. But at the same time, it's an attack on free speech. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's no big deal. Well, it is a really big deal when you think about it, because if the government's going to start doing that, because the government has their hands in places like Facebook and Twitter, you know, things, that's ridiculous. That's going too far. We do not need to lose our freedom of speech. And then we also have the Second Amendment to protect that as well. Yeah, exactly. And and we see this massive change, this clampdown on um, on the independent media and free thought. Of course, this stuff would make uh, George Orwell blush uh, by comparison. Uh, we're, we, you know, I we we must have I don't know thirty or forty emails here since our conversation first began here, wanting to know. And, and this is a question we often ask our guests. Um, Joe, let me, let me ask you this, uh, it, um, based on these emails that we're getting. Uh, Joe, what, what keeps what keeps Joe Biggs up at night? You're on you're in the field. You're a reporter. You you're a, a damn good one. What keeps you awake at night? With respect to you know what, what what could happen, what what really bothers me the most, and what I'll, I'll tell you what bothers me, and I'll tell you what motivates me. What bothers me is the fact that we have a lack of leadership in the White House, a lack of leadership that bleeds over into these different departments of like Homeland Security, the FBI. When we have a president 
that literally can't call radical Islam radical Islam. You know, it's just like with smaller police stations, one corrupt officer can spread like wildfire through that and corrupt the entire thing, and that's what's happened with Barack Obama. He's completely corrupted uh, this government, and they are allowing all of this horrible stuff to happen, and it empowers all these other people. And that's what bothers me is when we have a country, a strong country that is being demonized from within by our leadership, it empowers ISIS, it empowers the Taliban, it empowers our enemies around the world that hate us because of our freedoms. And then we have these attacks happen. We see a president who is telling Border Patrol to stand down, to allow these immigrants to come across because they're just kids. Well, I've been to the border. Nine times out of ten, they're adult males with gang tattoos on them. And there's large numbers of them. There's smaller numbers of women and children that are coming across. But they don't report on that. They just want to show you the one or two buses here and there that have, like, a group of kids on it. And they want to say that that's what everybody is that's coming across. That's what keeps me awake at night is I have a president right now that could care less about my freedoms, about me, about a veteran, that I can't even get proper health care from the VA, that we have a huge number of homeless veterans, that we have 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. Why? Because they feel like they're left alone. And, and now the American people are starting to feel like they're left alone. And the enemy sees that we are weak, and that's why they are striking. That is what bothers me. Well said. All right. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm bothered with this as well. Uh, we have a number of people wanting to wanting to, to ask you whether you believe um, will. Okay, I'll just uh, will will Trump, uh, although he's a presumptive nominee in your estimation, based on what you've seen on the ground, will Trump be the actual Republican uh, nominee based on on your investigative research and, and your observations? You know, from what I've seen, I mean, we got to look at the numbers. Hillary Clinton has less votes than she did back in 08. Trump basically has the most votes out of any GOP nominee ever. You know, I've gone to Hillary Clinton events. I've gone to Bernie Sanders events. Hardly anyone shows up. Yeah, Bernie's had some, some big ones out there, a couple of 22,000 ones. But Trump, on a, on a daily basis, packed out events. So I think he has the best chance. I, I don't think anybody else going to beat Hillary Clinton. I don't think Ted Cruz going to done it. I know Donald can do it. But now, here's the thing, though, is there going to be trickery involved at the uh, RNC? Well, these talking heads, well, will Paul Ryan pull something? Because no one's fully getting behind him, so it still leaves it up in the air. Will they try something? Will they try to bring someone else in? Or will there be such a large terrorist attack that happens that Obama, you know, tries to come in and goes, you know what, I should stay a fourth year, because, or uh, another year, I mean, another term, because right. we joked about that before in the past. That's another scary thing. What's going to happen? Because they're pushing this RNC and this DNC to be some of the most violent uh, protests we've seen. Yeah, exactly. And, and quite frankly, yeah. that's another scary thing. By the and, and, Trump has it, no problem. Okay. Well, yeah, but by those numbers, now, now that's probably the second most uh, uh, popular question today. Do you think it's possible, Joe? Again, based on your uh, investigative analysis and being, you know, at the epicenter of so so much of all of this, uh, do, do you think perhaps that that uh, this is in the plans and the works that Obama could just, uh, you know, camp out for another year? Uh, or, or for how you know, declare a state of emergency and use the police powers to to just stay in office until, uh, well, you know, for, for however long. But I think you, I think you answered that. 
But, I mean, there, there's definitely a good possibility. I mean, when you look at everything, when you take a step back and look at the entire picture of what's been happening, the culmination of the last eight years, what it's leading up to now, this pivotal point in our country's you know history, it's a possibility. I mean, this guy is joking around. Like I said, he's praised. You know, he's given a, the Nobel Peace Prize that he goes around and drones, you know, Yemen and hardly ever hits a high-value target. He hits more civilian people and there's high rates of casualties in those populations from civilians and yet he is still praised. It seems like there's nothing he can do wrong within the government, within the powers that be, the global elite. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Now we've got so many people. I, I just want to make sure that that uh, we say again, thank you for your military service, and thank you for what you are doing today to get the uh, truth out there as an independent journalist. Thank you. We, our audience is just uh, flooding us with emails, and so I want to make sure I, I do. Say, I, I want to thank you publicly for everything you do, and we feel the same way uh, about that as well. Um, uh, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, if uh, we could, we, uh, we got um, my son. Sorry, about seventeen minutes before the top of the hour break. Um, and he's the, yeah, and we know you you got to get going as the the event's going to be starting. I'm good right now. Um, the uh, the Democratic uh, nomination with Hillary Clinton uh, take, getting the nomination, the first woman uh, to be uh, nominated for president and and to win the nomination. Uh, we see a lot of numbers being put out there, polls saying, you know, Trump's trailing, you know, 10, 11 points nationally versus Hillary, which I don't, and I don't think any of us really trust in polls, and we know that he had brought out the most Republican um, vote in in history, I think, uh, over 1.4 million more than, than Reagan did in 1980. Um, do you, and I know you mentioned, you brought this up earlier, um, do you see a, a chance for Donald Trump to actually become the president? And and I'm going to tie this into uh, we're hearing a lot in the world of economics, um, foreign uh, the selling of foreign uh, U.S. Treasuries by mm-hmm. foreign nations is at an all time high or at a high since 1978, and it's uh, increasing uh, each day. Um, and a lot of people have talked about the possibility for, uh, you know, the president, the renegade in chief, uh, to do something as far as uh, tearing up the economy on his way out. Um, do you see a, a reason for them to put Trump in here in order to bring the whole thing down under a Republican, you know, patriotic man rather than have it break down under a uh, a Democrat like Obama or Clinton? You know, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, Pennsylvania had 45,000 Democrats switch over to Republican to vote for Trump. Massachusetts had 20-something thousand switch over from Democrats to Republican to vote for Trump. And that's been happening in a lot of states. I've been, like California, I was just in California. A lot of Democrat Californians switched over to Republican to vote for Donald Trump. People are showing up for this man in mass numbers. You know, I I just don't understand. I... You know, Obama is bringing the country down. Now, maybe they are going to play a card where they would rather start a collapse and then let it crumble under Trump, and then they can blame it on the Republican Party and say, see, guess what, you know, but they've already started it. They lit the fuse, and they already have charges on this building to drop it down in a controlled debt, you know, scenario. You know, America's going to fall. Every great empire falls, and and it's happening because of the horrible leadership we have. 
You know, they might just set it up, like you said, by under Obama, he could try and wreck the economy on the way out. And then Trump comes in, and then they're going to sit back to the American people, people every day on uh, the mainstream media and go, see, Trump did this, Trump did this. And instead, they're not going to go, look, who lit the fire, who set the fuse. That's right. And, and we, I mean, we looked at this under, or from the transition from Bush to Obama, um, and, and now it just seems to be more of a, of an issue today, despite the, uh, the lack of, uh, well, I, I mean, we, we know what happened in 08, but it, it seems a lot worse today. Uh, on a different note, many people want to know your, your, uh, assessment, gun control legislation or some sort of executive fiat or something with respect to gun control. You see this taking place now uh, in the wake of the Orlando event? You know, I heard that the assault weapons ban uh, was shot down by, was it Mitch McConnell today or something like that? I saw that they, 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 they put a halt to that right now. You know, the left's going to keep doing what they keep doing, and, and it's right. not going to go far because they keep trying time and time again. And we've got a, we've got a, we're at a point now, a pivotal point where Americans are finally seeing behind the curtain. Donald Trump pulled the curtain back on a lot of these issues, you know, and like I said, he might not be the, you know, the, the perfect candidate, but he's the best one we've got right now, you know, and he's really exposed a lot of things that are going on as far as how the voting system works and the fact that veterans need to be taken care of and how the Second Amendment, uh, is part of our, you know, it's a God-given right. It's part of being an American. You know, and the left keeps trying to blame everything on guns. You know, it's the fact that people there weren't armed, the fact that there wasn't armed security around, that happened. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see terrorists go into a gun store or the NRA show or SHOT show where there's hundreds of thousands of guns and 60,000 people that are armed. Why? Because it's a hard target. You know, gun-free zones are kill zones. Terrorists go after the weakest things. Why? Because they are cowards. They do not have the training of the U.S. Army, the U.S. Marine Corps. They are weak. Marines, soldiers, go after hard enemy targets and take it on head first, run into the enemy fire, knowing that they can die. They know that they're going up against an enemy that has weapons, and they do it selflessly because they believe in America. These guys do it in the cover of the night. They do it in an area where there are no guns because they are weak individuals, and that is the truth. People need to understand that an armed populace is a safer place for people to be. When you look at what happened in Paris, and you look at what happened in all these different areas, these different shootings, it always happens in an area where, where someone did not have guns. The fact that our recruiters, our military recruiters, can't even be in one of their own buildings with a gun to protect themselves, and what happened in Chattanooga? People died. It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's insane uh, that our military not armed on yeah. basis. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Mr. Biggs, but there's a, a movement, you know, uh, gays for guns, and there's a, a a few gun shops that were giving out concealed carry lessons for free to the LGBT community. Um, do you see a, a any at the rally at the event you're at today? Do you see any any signs of, of uh, like that where the, you see the LGBT community coming out to support? Uh, you know, the being able to purchase guns, fighting the gun control narrative. 
I mean, I've seen it all over the country. When I went to Spokane, Washington, at the protest against Sheriff Ozzie Nezovich, the guy who uh, became famous after one of his officers said that they have her MRAPs because of constitutionalists. You know, there yeah. were a lot of homosexual men who came out with Gadsden flags that were in the rainbow color that were gay that said, hey, we're gay, but guess what? We want freedom. We want guns. We want to be protect ourselves. You know, Milo went to Orlando yesterday and gave a speech and said, if you take guns away, people can't protect themselves. We even have people like Howard Stern, who was as liberal as they come, saying, hey, if these guys would have had guns, they would have had a fighting chance. I think most people who are in their right mind, and not just right as in, you know, where we stand politically, but in your right mind, understand that when you don't have a gun, you're a victim because that is the great equalizer. And there's everyone... It doesn't matter if you're what sexual orientation you are, what color you are, what religion you are. Anyone who has a the ability to sit back and put their emotions inside and not be brainwashed, not watch TV every day, and make an actual educated decision, know that the Second Amendment is the greatest thing that we have in America. The Second Amendment protects every other freedom we have, and that's why we have to have. It. Indeed, that that is the case. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's without without any argument at all. So many people want to know, um, and I want to get this out of the way right now, uh, again, because I don't know what, what kind of time constraints you have, but uh, many people want to know how to, number one, follow you in general. Uh, you've got a Facebook page, and, and certainly give that out, but um, how to uh, follow you this evening. Are you going to be reporting at 8 o'clock? Um, uh, oh, I'm going to be out here all night. I've been posting pictures and videos. You can all the videos I post. I post on my personal Facebook page, which is just uh, Joe Biggs. Then okay. I have a like a like a work page. It's like a fan page or whatever they Facebook likes to call it. I don't like to call it that. I just like to call it my business page because I'm not in this for fans. I'm not in it for anything like that. So it's a like a work page. It says Joe Biggs Infowars reporter. And then on Twitter, you can go to at Rambo Biggs R A M B O B I G G S. And uh, I'm constantly updating stuff. You can go to the Alex Jones channel on YouTube and see my videos there as well. But I use my personal Twitter and my Facebook to post little videos and pictures as things happen. If I see scuffles, if I see an interesting protest sign or I get into a, a confrontation with someone, I will put that stuff on there. So feel free. Anybody can follow me, ask me questions. I'm up all the time. I very rarely sleep because I'm always on the road. I spent maybe three months at home my first year at InfoWars, and uh, I've only been home about 20 hours in the last two months, you know, so I'm always going, so, Man. you know, don't ever be afraid to <laughs> chit-chat me up and ask a question. <laughs> That, that's incredible. I, and we thought we had we had tough schedules, but uh, we're not on the road like you are. We no, used we used to do private investigation work in New York City, and we'd be gone for a week, home for a week, gone for a week, home for a week. But that's uh, you're in a whole yes. other arena there. Yeah. Man. I'll you know, but it. I mean, it's, it's like, do you really care about America? Do you really care about what's going on, or do you not, you know? I've got a great opportunity. I've been truly blessed to, to have this opportunity to, to have a large audience and to talk about things I care about and to share it with people all around the world to promote liberty and freedom, to promote what it is that Americans should be. The fact that, you know, we have an American culture. The American man is dying. We have guys now that are just like, they wear tight jeans all the time and they don't even know how to go out and hunt. You know, their idea of going on a hunting trip is going to the grocery store to the meat aisle and picking up some pre-cut steaks. You know, I go out every weekend. Like, I came in from Orlando the other night. I had 10 hours before I had to come on this trip. 
and I went straight out in the woods. I went hunting. I came back, took a shower, and now I'm here. You know, <laughs> you can't forget where you come from. You can't forget what it means to have that freedom to go out, get organic food, have organic milk, to eat good foods, to stop eating bad GMO food, stop poisoning your body. That's part of the freedom that we have. Uh, well said. I think I think America is the greatest country in the world, and I will die fighting for it in any way I can. You know, I, I put my life on the line in the military, and I have no problem doing it now. If someone were to shoot me while I was out here doing one of these things, you know what? I would die a happy man because I know that what I've been doing is everything to me. You know, my the fact that my family is proud, the fact that when I meet people, I can see that they're excited that they're excited to see someone out there doing that, that makes me continue to go. That motivates me, and it gives me goosebumps. I love it. Amen. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else. And, um, you know, we've been blessed with the, the platform we've been given, and, um, you know, we're definitely not worthy, but we, we show up every day and, and try to do the best that we can. And um, not only have we been blessed with this platform, but the the listeners are just such fantastic people. And it's time that we, people like you, people like us, and and many others out there in the alternative media, step up and and do what the media uh, won't do. And we see the vacuum by the mainstream media of of power of influence. They are losing their ability to influence. It is uh, slow going, and you know there are still many who are stuck in in the in the brainwashed. Uh, mental paradigm um, but there are so many that have been helped by people like you and through Infowars and, and many others and we got to keep fighting the fight and, and keep hope alive and uh, that's all we can do and you know if we're doing that we're we're fulfilling our purpose not only as uh, citizens of America but uh, what God commanded us to do which is occupy till he returns and yep. Amen. And Joe, we only have a few minutes left here. We're going to give you the floor. Whatever's on your heart, uh, you know, you're used to speaking to a worldwide audience. I know we've got some crossover, uh, audience crossover, but, but for those who have not heard you, I mean, feel free to take the last couple of minutes here and speak whatever is on your heart. Joe Biggs from InfoWars, Joe Biggs, journalist, Joe Biggs, a veteran. What's, uh, feel free to speak what's on your heart right now. Well, you know, what's really on my heart is, you know, the radical Islam. Does that mean that I hate Muslims? No. I know people who are Muslim. You know, I've, I, I've, I've got friends that I made over in Afghanistan that were interpreters. But there is radical Islam. I want people to understand. I've been over there. I've seen them chop off, you know, enemies' heads. I've seen them torture people just as bad. I've seen them do some horrific things. And what people need to understand is, is the government is allowing these open borders to happen, and ISIS is using that, that immigration influx as a beard to come in under the guise of, you know, of being these, you know, war-torn, battered, helpless immigrants who just want to come find a place to live when they have zero allegiance to America. You know, I have friends who fought, some who died trying to get their citizenship, Mexicans, Hispanics, Latinos, people from different parts of the uh, Latino world that joined, that came to America, and they knew that they loved America more than anything. And they showed their allegiance. They joined the military, and they said, you know what, I believe in America so much, I'm going to fight for it. And we need more Americans that believe in it, to stand up and fight for those rights. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to go off and join the military, but if you really believe in what America is, 
I want to see people stand up for that. I'm tired. You know, I hate watching videos where I see someone who's got good intentions, you know, get destroyed by some left-wing guy who's spouting out mainstream media, MSNBC, BS. You know, people need to understand their rights. They need to exercise those rights, and you need to be a beacon to others. People should see America in the mirror when they see you. People should understand what freedom is. People should be proud when they represent our country because so many amazing men and women have fought and died for what this country is, and we just cannot let it be taken over by government that just doesn't care. We shouldn't let it get taken over by radical Islam. We shouldn't be taken over by fear. We should be hardened. We should be proud to be American, and we should stand up for everything, no matter what. In the face of, you know, possible death, people should look that in the, right in the eye and say, you know what, I'm proud to be an American. I have no problem with that, and I'm here, I'm standing up, and this is what I'm doing. This is my fight. This is my stand. Amen. Well said. And Joe Biggs from InfoWars, and, and, you know, you guys do such a great job. Joe, you do a great job. Alex and his staff and all you folks do do such a fantastic job. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for bringing the truth out there when no one else will or few will. And uh, know that you have our support. We're on your side, and we really appreciate everything that you really that that, that you do. And, and thanks for putting yourself on the front lines. And can't wait to have you back on. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, thanks, guys. I uh, appreciate the offer to come on and. And talk to you guys. You guys do amazing stuff as well. Keep it up. And everyone that's out there listening, I mean, if you take anything away from this, don't let these people bully you. Don't let these people push you. Know you're right. Stand up for it. Be proud. And keep up the good fight. Absolutely. Amen. That's right, brother. This is Joe Biggs, InfoWars reporter, uh, covering the Trump event in Dallas. You stay right safe out there, man. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you. God bless you. Have a, have a great night. Uh, Joe Biggs, what a great, what an intrepid reporter, and you know he's he's covered so many. You heard him talk, uh, Joe, about being in Paris and Orlando, and now Dallas. I mean, look, this he is covered Ferguson. He co- yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been covering a, a lot of the very important, uh, you know, unrest, cultural division, and and uh, terrible incidents that we've seen from police violence to terrorist incidents. Yeah, he's he, yeah, he really has. I'll do that later or after. Okay. Um, I, it, coming up in uh, the ahead. next yep. two hours, we have uh, our Hollywood insider John Robertson. Although he's not a Hollywood insider anymore, yeah, uh, he is uh, started a new radio show. He's hosting. He's he's working on a book, and we're uh, me and John are going to be talking about a number of current events and looking at it uh, from a biblical aspect as well as uh, from a political geopolitical aspect and we're going to be uh, running the gamut of issues so if if anybody has anything they they want us to talk about uh, send us an email and and we'll try to get into it but uh again John Robertson is going to be coming on joining us at the top of the hour after the break tomorrow uh is going to be John McTiernan, John McTiernan. yeah which is going to be a fantastic show yeah John McTiernan uh he's a a, a great guy he's got uh uh, well, when we come back from the break, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. But he's written some interesting stuff on this Orlando shooting and on the the culture uh, and what believers should be doing. Uh, and he really, t- uh, you know, for people who are in the fluffy puffy churches, as Pastor Paul would say, um, you 
get your eyes open by reading <laughs> some of John McTiernan's stuff. Folks, we'll be right back after this with John Robertson. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Doug Hagman here with Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. If you didn't catch the interview that we did with Joe Biggs from InfoWars, please do so. Go back and listen to that. What a great, uh, uh, you know, there are so many great independent journalists, independent investigative journalists out there. And I do count Joe Biggs as one of them. Both Joe and I do. Uh, and even Eric the Tech was saying, you know, man, he's everywhere, and he really gets to the bottom of things. So, um, folks, drop him a line. Tell him, and if you want him back, uh, tell him that you heard his interview on Hagman and Hagman. In fact, uh, he's got a Facebook page. Okay, Biggs Infowars. That's uh, his Facebook page. Uh, just give him a post, uh, give him a shout out there, and say, "Man, great job!" Because he, and he, you know, he's putting his his um, he's putting himself on the line, and and uh, you know, <laughs> and you heard him twenty twenty hours, twenty hours, three months, two months, being home, right? And th- that's a sacrifice that 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 you know, when when people look at, for example, look at our radio show. We do a three-hour radio show per night, and sometimes people will say, "Well, you guys skate because you have guests." Well, no, we still prepare. We we still we we still contact and have contacts and contact others and and uh, attempt it's, to find. It's really a twenty-four-hour thing. Twenty-four-seven I mean, doesn't mean right. we're up all the time, always doing stuff. But uh, you know, we're reading news articles, we're doing research, we're we're networking with people. Uh, Planning, scheduling. There's a lot that that goes into each and every radio show. Exactly. Now, um, can't just roll out of bed and and jump on the mic and. <laughs> 
Although sometimes it looks that way, right? But, yeah, uh, it sounds that way. Yeah, no, it, it's it's not. And uh, but anyway, definitely, uh, Joe Biggs. Make sure you um, make sure you, you 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 drop him a line, Facebook, whatever, and say, hey, enjoy your interview with Hagman and Hagman. And um, anyway, uh, I uh, folks, have you have you have you gone to Whole Tones Live yet? Whole Tones Live. Are are you feeling stressed? If not, I don't. I think you're. I don't think you're paying attention. Do you feel overwhelmed? And do you feel like sometimes the life is running you instead of you running your life? Man, that's. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's uh, more and more today. I'm hearing from people saying, you know, it just feels like we are at the uh, at some sort of a juncture, and uh, people are stressed. People are 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 stressed. Well. We have an answer for you. Holtoneslive.com. Renowned musician, author, speaker, Michael Terrell. Now, we had him on our program in, in the past. He has revealed a stunning, just this stunning discovery in music therapy. He's got seven amazing new musical tones and music projects, if you will, found to relieve stress, promote healing, break the, break into, and, and, and um, well, you can, you can, through this, you can re- restore your sound sleep by listening to these musical creations of Michael Terrell from WholeTonesLive.com. Now, I received an e- uh, a letter, I'm sorry, not an email, but a letter from uh, Lisa. I'm not going to give her last name. Lisa, uh, wrote here recently and I'm going to quote from it here Um, she writes this um, she she writes that uh, that uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this because this is a real letter I don't want to give away any kind of personal information anyway she she was fighting with some uh, personal physical Debilitating ailments, and um, she, she's a Type A personality. She's you know, she had to slow down, and anyway, um, she, she wrote that uh, uh, one experience, something really great happened at school. They had a beauty review, and before it started, it was noticed that people were frantic. They did not have the music for the program. Think of this. Think of being um, in a position of like a music instructor or teacher at school, and you're putting on a, on a program, and, and suddenly you realize you don't have the music. Well, do you have a silent pageant? No. Come to find out, the principal went to Lisa and asked if she had any CDs or any music with her, and um, the principal knew that that she played whole tones in her classroom, plays whole tones in her classroom every day, and she said, yeah, I do, and so she went and got the CD from her vehicle of Open Doors, right, well, she put it, they played it at the pageant, and the music was so very soothing, so very soothing, the results were astounding. Now, I, I know I didn't do this justice. 
But imagine needing music for a pageant, a play at school, a pageant at, at school, and then not having it, but then substituting whole tones for it. Tell you what, it relieved, it, it, it did a lot of things, and it was welcomed, and it, it was great. So, uh, here's the deal. Go to wholetoneslive.com, folks. If you feel overwhelmed, stressed, whatever, go to wholetoneslive.com. Listen to the samples that they've got. Download them. Look at the different frequencies. Look at, at, at how you can perhaps treat or address chronic pain or PTSD. Discover how healing music tones are hidden deep in ancient frequencies. They're there. This is not, not some new age sitting in a circle chanting ohm thing. It's not even close to that. No. It's the music of the Bible. Music of King David. So... Go to WholeTonesLive.com. And listeners to the Hagman and Hagman Report right now, when you spend $99 or more, you get $10 off. Look at the coupon at WholeTonesLive.com. Follow the instructions there. But by all means, folks, do it. WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Revolutionize. Change your life through music, through the gift of music, through the gift God has given us, the frequencies the music frequencies of King David. That's com. What a great gift. And Father's Day is coming up, right? Well, that it great, is. Great Father's Day Sunday. gift. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, a lot of news, folks, a lot of news going on right now, a lot of headlines. And, again, go back to listen to what uh, the interview with Joe Biggs. I have to take care of some business. I'm going to be leaving. I'm jumping ship right now. Yeah, but we have. A, I'm going to be leaving this program in very capable hands. Joe, my son, together with John Robertson, are going to go over the current events. And from what I understand, from what Joe laid out for me earlier, it's going to be a powerful show. So, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. And, All right, uh, folks. Uh, thank you so. Much. And I just want to say before I leave, I just want to just want make to thank sure you everyone. wear your arm floaties when you get in the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. Find me a swimming pool. <laughs> no, uh, seriously. Uh, I just want to say to to everyone who is who are, is listening to this program and who are listeners to this program. I just want to just give you a warm thank you so much. You mean so much to me. Uh, you mean so much to us. You mean so much to uh, to to our family. Eric, the tech, even just loves y'all too. So, uh, but with that, I'm going to leave you in the very capable hands of Joe and John. Joe, go ahead, sir. All right. Yeah, we got uh with us John uh Robertson, uh our Hollywood insider, uh friend of the show has been on many times, has helped us uh put together many shows with P- Pastor Flip Benham and uh many others. And we've done as I said the Hollywood insider shows. Uh, he's been a guest on on uh, JB Wells show and uh, was a speaker at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas and will be also in uh speaking in Knoxville where he will be releasing his new book. John, it's great to have you back on the show. Why don't you give the audience a little uh, update as to what you've been doing lately and what you've been working on? 
Okay, I will, but first I gotta laugh a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, greetings and God's blessings on each and every one of you. Joe, what did you just what did you just suggest to your father to, to get his floaty can you before yes <laughs> before he gets the pool in the pool, he has to make sure he has his floaties on. Uh, you know. We don't want him drowning. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, I've never, folks, I've never really qualified Doug Hagman as a selfie type of guy. But, Doug, if you're still listening, brother, if ever there was a time that I would love a selfie, it's when you've got your floaties on in the pool there, brother. <laughs> we'll, so we'll try and get you on. on this evening. Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah, tell folks about uh, about your new uh, radio show and the uh, book that you're working on. Well, Joe, thank you very much. I'll just give folks a quick rundown. And what I'd like to do um, is really contextualize this as a as an example, folks, not an example of what John Robertson is doing or an example of what Mike and Jeannie are doing at Hear the Watchmen or an example of what Doug and Joe are doing or even Staff Sergeant Joe Biggs over at InfoWars. I, I want each of you, as you hear this, quick rundown to ask yourselves, what are you doing? And I want to encourage everybody listening tonight, every brother and sister that can hear my voice, replace that fear with faith. You know, the hardest part of doing what we do, and when I say we, I mean everybody that congregates around these shows, from Doug Hagman to J.B. Wells to Chance at American Survival Wholesale, all the different voices you hear, the single thing that we grapple with the most is just trusting God to replace that fear with faith. And once you learn to do that, folks, and it's an ongoing process, but once you learn to do that, the rest, it, 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 I don't want to say it takes care of itself because I believe that God orders our steps. And when I look back, Joe and, and Hagman family, at the last, I don't know, 13, 14 months of my life personally, I'm gobsmacked. I mean, I... I I wouldn't even have have written this in fiction because it would be too over the top and unbelievable. Anyway, that being said, uh, God has been good. Folks, we launched a, a new show on Blog Talk Radio uh, called Brothers on the Wall. And I just want to take a quick moment to give sort of a tip of the hat to uh, Brother Marcus, uh, who is uh, with our Heavenly Father as we, as we listen and speak this evening, and Curtis, who occupied uh, the time slot that we are now in on Blog Talk Radio with their awesome show, Pine Ridge Warriors, uh, and that ran for uh, a good period of time. So we are on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday evenings, and that is, again, Brothers on the Wall, brothersonthewall.com, Blog Talk Radio, every Saturday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern. And what's been really cool about this show, uh, Joe and, and, and all the Hagman listeners, is we're taking a different approach. Uh, that, as the title would indicate, Brothers on the Wall is an open platform. We want to bring community watchmen from all walks of life, all demographics, all geographic locations up onto the wall with us. And we want to give you a moment to, uh, to tell all of our listeners what it is you're doing in service to the kingdom and what it is you're doing as you trust God to replace that fear with faith. Because, folks, everybody listening tonight knows we are in the 11th hour, 59th minute. It's not good enough 
to sit on the sidelines anymore. You know, I think probably the two most germane comments ever made on these Christian frontline internet radio shows were by our brother Steve Quayle and our brother Doug Hagman. Steve Quayle, who reminds us all the time that there are no political solutions to spiritual problems, and Doug, who reminds us regularly that we were born for this time and we all have a position to play. Now, Joe, if I may, I want to give a quick example of what I mean by bringing community watchmen up on the wall, because in real time right now, Brothers on the Wall is broadcasting with, uh, with my co-host, Mike, and, uh, and our good friend, Pastor Flip Benham, uh, and I left the show early to jump over to do the Hagman and Hagman Report. But these are the type of people, folks, who are reaching out to us, and these are the people that we are honoring and sharing the mic with. And, and, uh, and uh, Joe, I want to, to, uh, to thank you for initiating that spirit among all of us, because you and your dad were so generous with airtime on the Hagman and Hagman Report that it inspired people like me and, and Mike and Chance and, and Brother Marcus, uh, God rest his soul, to, to take that, that next step of faith and say, I can do this. I, I'm scared, but I know God will, will infuse within me the courage to do this, and I'm going to do it. Folks, tonight in the first hour of Brothers on the Wall, we brought on a high school senior. Uh, I'll just say his first name. His name is Brandon, and his mom came on as well. Uh, her name is Monica. And uh, our first broadcast back on May 28th was with Pastor Paul Bagley. And again, that's brothersonthewall.com. That night, uh, Brandon's mother, Monica, came on. She was our first community watchman who joined us up on the wall. And Monica explained to all of our listeners that she had started a Bible study in the greater Boise area in Idaho. And she wanted to give thanks to the Lord and to encourage all of our listeners with just her single step of faith. She has a vibrant, big-time Bible study going on, and people are, are being nourished. People are are being infused with Holy Spirit power that they need to get through these crazy times. Then we found out about her son, Brandon. So flash forward, what, five episodes later, uh, tonight we were running with uh, Pastor Flip Benham, and we find out that Brandon has been, he's a senior in high school, folks, 17 years old, standing in the gap, fighting what I call the Facebook wars, uh, standing up for Christ. He's lost all of his friends, and he's even... Uh, posted some very erudite and very uh, well-written uh, posts on, in defense of Chris Kyle. Now, you folks may remember Chris Kyle is the uh, the hero of the uh, uh, bestseller American Sniper and, and major feature film uh, from last year. So Brandon joined us up on the wall tonight, 17 years old, and imagine how it felt to be the host of this show. I'm listening to this super brave 17-year-old kid, Joe, talk about how he is fearless in his high school. Now, everybody listening to us tonight has been to high school. You folks remember how hard that is, how scary it is. All you want to do is go along and get along. Not Brandon. He's standing on the wall. And I've got Flip Benham uh, ready to come in. He's listening to Brandon. Brandon is, is encouraging men who are three times his age listening to us to get up out of the Barca lounger and get into this fight. So, folks... Join us Saturday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern on Blog Talk Radio for Brothers on the Wall. But equally important, understand the opportunity that sits before you right here this evening. This show is brand new. We are just, just one step out of launch. We've done five shows with Pastor Paul Bagley, Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor David Langford. We had L.A. Marzulli on recently. And this Saturday night, we will welcome Josh Tolley from The Josh Tolley Show up onto the wall. 
and Saturday, June 25th, we will welcome Carl Gallops. Uh, many of you uh, recognize Carl from the Hagman and Hagman Report and Caravan to Midnight. He is on the Board of Regents at the University of Alabama, and he is also a deputized member of Sheriff Joe Arpaio's cold case posse down in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, trying to get to the bottom of this uh, King Hussein Obama birth certificate issue. Folks, Brothers on the Wall is brand new, and this is what I want to say about the show, and I'm going to hand it back to you, Joe. We want to hear from you. If you are a difference maker, if you are in your community, you could be doing the smallest thing. Are you picking up a couple of neighbor kids and getting them to Sunday school? Are you taking an extra plate of food across the street to the elderly widow or widower? We want to hear from you. I know a lot of you write. You may feel like maybe your writing's not too good. Get your writing to us. We post on three different sites. We post daily. Uh, we have Sergeant Tim from Texas. We have our economics go-to, Stephen Minking, out of New York City. I write for the, for the site, and so does Maria Canise. And many of you know Maria, the author of Prepare for Persecution. This is your time. If you want to step up on the wall and be heard, we want to continue in the spirit of the Hagman and Hagman Report and give every brother and sister out there a chance to talk about your website, your Bible study, what it is you're doing. And Joe, the last thing I'll say is it was really what we did this time last year with HH Connections that put this spirit in my heart and made me realize how amazing the listeners to the Hagman and Hagman Report are and how powerful they are when they allow the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the risen Christ to come into them and allow them and guide them to do things that they never dreamed they could do. Brothers on the Wall, brothersonthewall.com, every Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Blog Talk Radio. Joe, I'll hand it back to you. Amen, and that's awesome, John. And uh, Brother Marcus was a, a dear friend of mine and uh, a, a, just a fantastic man, and we do miss him. Uh, and his Curtis's son uh, is, is fantastic as well. And the lineup of guests that you just uh, mentioned for the first five shows that you did uh, I'd say you guys hit a home run and, and are doing a great job and just to, to continue to do that. And we need, you know, um, we were, and many people know this, uh, we worked as private investigators before we started this radio show, never intending to planning on or sitting down and talking about starting a show uh, or doing a radio show. It was something that my dad and uh, Judy McLeod of Canada Free Press wanted to do on Saturday evenings and uh, they did one one show one podcast and and Judy um wasn't too comfortable didn't like it too much and and my dad asked me if I wanted to try and, and do one with him the next week and we did and the every Saturday uh lasted for about 8 months and and we were picked up by a, a network and we started on January 1st January 2nd of 2012 and have been doing it full-time since, uh, pretty much abandoning our private investigation work. And uh, at the time, I understood uh, that it was a call uh, from God, you know, to to put us in, in this position, to give us this platform, um, to be voices as we see and we're, we're seeing the uh, increase of the manipulation through the mainstream media. And as I said in the first hour with Joe Biggs, you know, all, all we really continue to do is to show up and, you know, read our Bibles and, and to pray and to do the research. And um, the Lord has continued and continues to bless us and, and bless the show and the platform. 
and it's because of great guests like yourself and and others and uh, just so many factors that are out of out of our control that had to come together uh at the right times and the right moments that only uh the lord could have could have situated and and he did that and it takes a, a step of faith i mean we need to have faith and understand that um, you know, we're promised, not promised a, a walk in the park in this world. We are promised trouble, tribulation, suffering. But we're also promised blessings uh, through our faithfulness. And just like it is with, with true Christians, we can't just talk about being good Christians. We have to be obedient and be true Christians in our actions. We also have to walk out our faith in the same way. And it's taking that first step that you have no idea what doors can open after you take that step. Wow. You know, Joe, you just hit that so succinctly. And, you know, I was thinking while I listened to you speak how, and and I'll just say this for myself, you know, folks, I've joked with some of you on the phone or at Hear the Watchman, when God picked me, he, he was at the back of his Rolodex. I mean, he really was. And, you know... When you look at the journey that the Hagmans have been on, okay, when you, when you look at the journey that John B. Wells has been on, and when you look at the journey that somebody brand new to this, like myself, is on, I'm telling you, the key is to look directly at faith and fear. That is the key. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, Joe, is my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. In fact, folks, I wrote an article that you can find on brothersonthewall.com or at outlawpatriotnews.wordpress.com. And for those of you who joined us in HH Connections and, and we're at Hear the Watchmen and have been with the Hagmans, you know, sitting around the Hagman kitchen table for a few years now, I think you'll like this article. Doug and Joe uh, figure prominently in the article. And the article is called The Evidence of Things Not Seen, HH Connections to Brothers on the Wall. Now, that title I chose very carefully, Joe, because Hebrews 11.1 assures us that faith is the substance of all things hoped for and the evidence of things things not seen. And, Joe, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, I have a question for you, and I've been curious about this for a long time, and I bet a lot of the listeners are, too. Would you be willing to talk for a few minutes about some of the obstacles that you and your dad faced when you began to, as you said, quote, abandon some of the private investigation work and really go full-time with the Hagman and Hagman report, would you be willing to, to speak transparently about some of the fears you faced and some of the obstacles? Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, as I said in the in the first hour when we did the private investigation work, especially toward the end there, we were doing a lot of work in New York City, and we would, you know, be out of town for, uh, you know, a week, five days to a week, and be back in town for that same amount of time, traveling a lot, uh, traveling constantly. And during one of the trips, um, and I don't know how many times, I don't think, maybe once or twice I've told this story on the air, we were coming back from the Hamptons and doing a case, uh, heading to a case up in, in Lake George, just north of Albany, and I was driving uh, the whole day. It was, uh, I think, October 27th or 28th in 2009, maybe. And we were uh, on Route 87, and we were in a, uh, oh, goodness, it was an SUV. It was a, a Chevy Trailblazer. And 
It's a three-lane highway. I'm in the middle middle lane. It's just after dusk, so it just started to get dark. It was real wet. The leaves uh, were falling. They were all over the road. And I wasn't playing with the radio. I wasn't not paying attention. I had both hands on the wheel. And the back end of the vehicle kicked out. And we started fishtailing, spinning around. Long story short, uh, it was truly a miracle. The car was totaled. We flew 250 feet into the woods, and uh, neither of us had a scratch on us. Now, during that incident, during that crash, I had, I guess what you'd say is a spiritual experience, where my dad says, and uh, we'll say he had a nightmarish experience. <laughs> he says we were in different cars. Um, everything was in slow motion for me. And during this whole time that we're spinning out of control and, and you see the, the, the crash coming, I was I had this overwhelming uh, calmness and peace, almost like there was a, a guardian angel in the car. And uh, at the time... Um, from my past, I was in trouble with the law and I, I had to go, uh, I was incarcerated and, um, I was kind of going through a, a, a recovery and, and learning how to be a, an adult and a human. And it was at that moment that really opened my eyes back to the Bible and Jesus. And we started stopping at different bookstores, used bookstores, and I would, by as many uh, historical and interesting books from, you know, the George Washington uh, books to um, old commentary books on the Bible. And that's where, I mean, my my faith walk really started. Uh, you know, I asked the Lord into my life when I was 12, uh, being brought up by my mother and father, who they both were church-going people and uh, taught me about Jesus when I was young, but I never really embraced that faith. Well, once um, I started just reading the Bible and just getting interested in it, and uh, the companies we worked for, the private investigators, um, wanted us to travel more, wanted us to give us bigger caseloads, and um, the pay was less. And then this opportunity for the show comes around. Well, um, all of a sudden, before we know it, you know, we... We have a gap in, in work time from the PI work. We're doing the radio show. We're paying to do the radio show. And uh, something happened. Uh, the, the network that picked us up, um, when we were on there with Paul Bagley when we first started. And after about three months, uh, Paul Bagley and us, we left the network due to differences between the, the owner and, and the host. And two days before that happened, I got a call from a good friend of mine who is an intercessor and somebody who is a, a very faithful woman. And she said that there are going to be a few doors closing in your life, but there's going to be a thousand more opened um, in the next weeks. And I didn't know what she meant. And I don't, I don't know that she knew what she meant. And she was just delivering a message. But sure enough, we, we uh, dropped from the network and we went solo on BTR, just me and my dad. And since that day, <clears throat> I haven't worried at all. Um, we've had, uh, you know, issues, concerns about about money, about um, being able to, to continue to do this, staying on the air. And that's grown into being able to expand and being able to, to bring on more people. Now, it's taken years to be able to do that, and it's taken years for uh, us to get where we are today. But... As far as doubts or worries, that's not something that, that really went through my mind. I would say 
<laughs> next time you get on with my dad, that's something you should talk to him about as the worrying part, because I know he went through a lot of that. <laughs> but that's kind of left him uh, as far as understanding and knowing that this is where we're supposed to be. Uh, that's not anything that, that goes through his mind anymore. And I think that's, um, you know, that's huge in, in my mind, at least. Um, because I, I knew once, once we started this and once, uh, we had a regular listening audience, and when I say regular, I mean 50, 100 people, I knew that this is what we were going to be doing. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and I hope that, and I believe that, Many listeners uh, right now in real time uh, had a certain inspiration sparked within them the same way I did as I listened to you uh, share on a pretty personal level that story. And and before we I know there's a lot of crazy news going on and there's so much we can talk about. But before we jump into that stuff, it just it just uh, serves to reiterate the point, Joe, that I really feel that the spirit has placed on my heart not just tonight but over the past several weeks. And it is this, it's late folks, and the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And we need each and every one of you to stand in the gap. Now that doesn't mean, if, you're, uh, if you have white hot fear about speaking publicly, then, then there are so many other places we need you. We need you to support your neighbors. We need you to be active in your church. We need you to fight that fear if you're in the parking lot or in a gas station and speak to somebody, especially if you feel the Holy Spirit place it upon your heart. You know, it's I, I know living in, in L.A. and being in the greater Seattle area more recently, and, you know, I move around a lot, Joe, uh, I see opportunities all the time of people who look like they're just about on their last leg, you know? So so when, when you hear myself, folks, or Joe, or Doug, or any of the other uh, uh, people who congregate around these shows, when you hear us exhort and encourage you to stand in the gap or to come up on the wall or to be a difference maker, it is in accordance to the tools that God gives you. And, and it's, you know, I concluded one of my articles recently with reminding people that Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain within me and I in you, Without me, you can do nothing. And you see, Joe, what I love about that scripture is it reminds us that the pressure's off. And that's what you said just a moment ago, that, that once you got the word from that friend of yours, the intercessor, and God bless her for that, you know, I think, I mean, I'll just ask you straight up, was, was it a moment where you, you realized perhaps that, that it wasn't really you driving the car, that, there was, that, that God had his hand on this thing? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that wasn't right away. Uh, but, you know, in all the people that we got to talk to and meet, like I said, Pastor Paul Bagley, he was one of our first guests on, on, uh, when we started doing the show. Um, absolutely. I mean, when you have all these different confirmations and, um, you know, people who are, um, emailing you and saying, you know, thank you so much for, you know, talking about Jesus. Uh, you know, it, it, it brought my faith back to life listening to the, the message I heard on your show last night and hearing the, uh, just the, the wonderful emails that, that, 
people are, are so thankful that our show's on and, and hearing the messages that we're talking about and our guests are talking about and seeing the effect that, that it had on those people. Um, I mean, just from the first email, the first compliment, the first um, testimony, from then on, it was never a question. Uh, I knew God was in control and that this, you know, this was all for, for his His purposes. And, and it always will be. Amen. You know, uh, hearing you say that just now, it reminds me of a conversation that, uh, that John B. Wells and I had uh, at some point last year on a Caravan to Midnight episode. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why the Lord does this, Joe, but he's done it many times on your show and, and, and on other platforms as well. Sometimes he will just instruct me to sort of open my mouth, and generally speaking, I don't want to do it because a lot of times it's uh, stuff that could be considered maybe a little too personal or maybe embarrassing, uh, discussing things. Um, trying to take lemons that were in my life and encourage the listeners to trust the Lord to help them make lemonade. I know that's kind of a cheesy analogy, but uh, he does this. And I believe very strongly, Joe and Hagman family, I believe that as long as I'm obedient to that, that spiritual encouragement, that the Lord will continue to order my steps and, and take me further down this journey. And that being said, I was talking to John B. Wells on air, and... I said to him, I said, you know, John, when I look at my life, when I living in San Francisco, in Oakland, 16 years in Hollywood, many of you who've heard my stories on the Hagman and Hagman Report, you know that I've had a very colorful life and, a, and perhaps, you know, a, a unique life in many ways. And, and I thought I was the coolest cat in town. I thought I was so slick. You know, if the cops were coming through the front door, I was going out the bathroom window. That's what I thought. And I legitimately carried that ridiculous, uh, arrogant chip on my shoulder, Joe, for years. And over, over a period of time, the Lord humbled me. And, and he showed me through life experiences and through prayer and just through that still small voice. He showed me, you didn't do any of that. You didn't do any of that. I spared you because I love you. You didn't do any of those things. I brought you home all those nights on the highway. I took care of you and got you out of those sticky situations in the nick of time. It wasn't you. It was me because I'm your heavenly father and I love you. And I said, you know, John, when I think of that, it humbles me. And it makes me realize at 44 years old, I'm halfway through my life. And maybe I should spend the second half of my life knowing the way that the Lord spared me, seeking his face to determine why and then to take action. And it was a great moment, Joe, between John and myself. And he said back to me, he said, John, I'm going to tell you something. If I had received from the Heavenly Father what I deserved, which is justice, I'd be in a hole in the ground. But instead, he gave me grace. Joe? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, many of us, even many in the listening audience, um, you know, have, have been through, put themselves through, been through some just, uh, you know, heartbreaking and, and just terrible situations. In my, in my case, I, things I put myself through, um, friends around me dying left and right. And you do wonder, you know, why, why are you spared? Why are you left alive? Uh, all the horrible things I've done in my life, you know, um, and a lot of that is, is the enemy, you know, whispering in your ear at the same time. Um, we have to be convicted 
truly in our hearts in order to change. And a lot of conviction comes from admitting, you know, our sins and, and when we're wrong in our lives and accepting the correction from the Holy Spirit. And we have to be open to that correction uh, to get that change. And from experience, at least from what I've seen, um, people are, are so quick to, to, to point at other people as the source of, of the problems of the world and of the country. But I believe if each individual person took on their own problems, <clears throat> things would, would change. Just like when we look at politics, everybody looks for the, the election of a new president to change the policies and ways of a country like Trump, make America great again. Well, you can have a thousand Trumps in a row. Uh, it's never going to make America great again. You got to do it from a local level, from, from the bottom back up. And that's the same way you got to do it with your faith walk. And, you know, it's not easy. Uh, you know, we know that God does not tempt us. At the same time, He will, uh, not give us more than we can handle, but He will let, you know, make sure that we walk out and and that our faith is, is true and tested. You look at the stories in the Bible from Daniel to Job. These people, I mean, Daniel, literally thrown in the lion's den. Job had his whole family, everything he owned, taken away from him, only to be repaid, uh, you know, many times over again what he had. Uh, and that was, you know, he had to walk through all the 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 deaths and the destruction of, of his property, of his livestock, of his family. Even his wife told him to, to curse God and die. But it's that, that faith that he had. And, and that faith is, is our uh, duty to the Lord. And it, it's more than words. Uh, we really have to, to be and have faith of action. And I think that what you're talking about, you know, the bringing people together, bringing people, um, we, we still are inundated with emails and, and calls. Yesterday we had a caller from a guy from Missouri who talked about wanting to be able to meet people in his area, getting together to network and, and do Bible studies with people in his area and not being able to find people. And, you know, we suggested people starting their own Bible studies, printing out leaflets and leaving them on cards, like the guerrilla marketing tactics to get people in your area um you know that are like-minded and you guys have have and you've been working for years trying to set up something very similar to that doing just that and uh it's time that we we come together because part of our faith and walking out our faith is the fellowship aspect and i think that's what a lot of people are missing um and it's nice to have chat rooms and and websites and social media um to interact on but Nothing replaces the the fellowship of the face to face and um, you know neighborly and brotherly love that you have in uh, a real church environment. And when I say church, I'm not talking about the the buildings and and the uh, masses that go on. I'm talking about people uh, with a pure heart, with the Bible, you know, seeking the truth of of Jesus. <clears throat> and we need more of that. And people are paralyzed in, in their in their minds through through fear through um the times we live in i mean our world is upside down right now and those that that have the lord can see it and they understand it a lot of them just don't know you know where do we step from here you know you you know joe you're exactly right and you just sparked a thought 
that I want to share with you and, and with the listeners. Consider this, folks. I know many of you, and, and I've been so blessed over the past, say, three years or so, at the Whitestone Remnant Conference, at the Hear the Watchman Conference, when we met with our brother Nathan Leal up in Priest River, Idaho, back in November uh, at his conference. I've been so blessed to interact with so many of you. And one of the things, Joe, that I hear from Hagman and Hagman Report listeners and and uh, people who follow Steve Quayle and uh, people who follow Paul McGuire is that they they have a hard time with this incredible inventory of knowledge that they have and it keeps them awake at night and they suffer insomnia and they they don't know what to do exactly joe with all of this information and as you were speaking just now it occurred to me and hear me folks if you in fact have that information you can look at drudge you can look at stevequail.com you can look at paulmcguire.us you can go to caravan to midnight if you have the discernment within you to understand what it is you're looking at. If you have been blessed with eyes that can in fact see, then then guess what? You've been handed a golden ticket to work for the greatest employer of all time. And, and that employer is God. And, you know, I, I was sitting on, on uh, a deck in, in um, up in the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho about 10 days ago, Joe. It was early morning and I was out there getting some vitamin D. And the scripture in Matthew where Jesus talks about looking at the birds and how the birds, they, they don't worry about where, where they're going to get their food, where they're going to eat. They don't worry about where their home is. And he says, if, if my father takes care of the birds the way that he does, how much greater will he take care of you? So folks, consider this when you go to bed this evening. If you have discernment when you read these difficult news items, when you listen to the Hagman and Hagman Report, the Common Sense Show, and brothers on the wall, then you have been given entree into the greatest task there possibly is, which is working for nothing short of God. I've got news for you folks, regardless of where you're at in your beliefs and regardless of where you're at in your faith walk, you're going to meet him. You are going to meet him. And I don't know about you, Joe, but boy, I am going to work as hard as I can, and I get scared every day, but I'm going to work as hard as I can because I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never do you. Amen. Amen to that. And that's so true. And, and uh, you know, that every Christian should should have on their mind um, what can we do not only to strengthen our walk uh, of faith with, in, with Jesus, but what can we do for for others, for our neighbors, for those less fortunate than us. And, um, you know, we, I see headlines, uh, like this one today, uh, out of the sun. U.S. Navy discusses plans to fit humans with microchips and track their every move. And this is something, you know, I've been researching the, the RFID, the, uh, mark of the beast, the, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, this technology's here. We're seeing these changes in our society, uh, from marriage to technology. Uh, and to to this you know cognitive disconnection with a majority of the population, and it reminds me of scriptures in the Bible that talk about you know uh, people's eyes being blinded, their their ears being being deaf, uh, because that you know they've been turned over uh, 
because of their iniquity or because it is the will of the Lord uh, for the times such as these. And we have to understand that, you know, until the Lord does return, until that instant where everything changes, we are are here and we are um, the body of Christ and we are the body of Christ together. And the body can't work uh, unless it is unified. We can't have a, a divided body where, you know, you have ha- one half of your body trying to walk one way and the other half trying to go the other way. It doesn't work that way. And understanding that um, each and every one of us, you know, is unworthy, but we're saved by grace through faith. And once we have that understanding and agreement, and we are in agreement about that, uh, everything else is is unimportant, and we can unify around that and open the eyes of millions. But until people, and until the world sees that Christians... Uh, aren't backbiting, aren't attacking each other. You know, we too often see put in the mainstream media uh, people labeled Christians who do horrible things like the, you know, uh, name-calling um, to tearing apart other people, uh, you know, begging for for money and in, in just insane amounts of money. I need a second plane. Um, there's just so much division inside our church there's a lot of it down denominational lines, a lot of it down uh, theological lines. But we can all agree, if if we can all agree, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, came in the flesh, died for our sins, and was resurrected. That's the starting point. And I, th- I think people need to, to understand the times we're in and really um, unite on those basic principles and precepts from God. Because if we don't, uh, how can we ever be the the end times church that he calls us to be? How how, how can we indeed? And you know, uh, uh, Joe, as I listened to your remarks, uh, two things occurred to me, and I would like to give uh, all of the Hagman listeners a couple of resources. One is very small, and, and it's easy to access. You can do it this evening. The other requires a little bit of preparation, but you mentioned fellowship a moment ago, Joe, and this is so important. Um, I'll just take a couple minutes to hit this quickly. Uh, there is, Joe, and uh, I'll pass it back to you momentarily, but there is a, a revival that's been going on in southwest West Virginia. And I would encourage all the brothers and sisters out in the, the Hagman and Hagman family tonight, go on YouTube and just type in Revival West Virginia and take a look at some of these reports that have been pouring out of southwest West Virginia. Joe, get this. At one high school... 450 kids got saved. And you look at these videos of like these couple, you know, few hundred kids, they've got their hands in the air, they're worshiping God. And it, it, if, if you've got, if you, if you're redeemed in the blood, I, I challenge any of you listening to us here this evening to watch that video and not have tears well in your eyes and, 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 and feel your skin tingle. And the other thing I wanted to encourage folks to is, uh, is to find that fellowship. And I'll say this on a personal note, folks. You know, I met Doug and Joe in person for the first time, and we'd had a lot of great moments on air for maybe 18 months previous, but I met them in person for the first time at the Whitestone Remnant Conference, uh, which was May 30th through, I think, June 1st or 2nd back in 2014. And that was Michael Bennett and Steve Quayle who, who brought us that conference, and we had Pastor John Kyle and Russ Dizdar, and our brother, Pastor David Langford, was there. Uh, and... You know, I sold 
I don't remember how many ounces, but I sold silver at a greater than 50% loss, folks, to be at that conference. And I did it not because I necessarily wanted to go to Montana, although I did, but it wasn't about Bozeman, Montana. It wasn't about meeting Steve Quayle. It wasn't, it wasn't even, I was excited to meet Doug and Joe Hagman, but it wasn't about that. I had a, a quickening in my spirit telling me, you have to be on the plane with Chance and Merrill. You have to go there. That being said, I don't want to push this too heavy and hard tonight, folks, but there is another Hear the Watchman conference coming up. It is in Knoxville, uh, September 30th through October 1st. Uh, Pastor Paul Bagley, uh, Paul McGuire will be there for the entire conf- conference. I will be speaking. Uh, Michael Bodea, uh, Dimitri Dudeman's grandson, who's got a totally cool ministry, he will be there. I know John B. Wells is going to be there. It's a, it's a great lineup, but the most important thing, Joe, and I'll close on this, is Pastor David Langford told us on Brothers on the Wall uh, this last Friday night that 253 people were baptized at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas. Think about that, Joe. I mean, that must have made, that must have made headlines in the kingdom, you know? 253 people washed of their sins. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, and being there and seeing that and witnessing it in person, it's so moving and, uh, such a blessing to be able to see and be a part of. And all those people, you know, taking that, that walk of faith together, um, it, it's, uh, worth the price of admission and then some, uh, to it say most the least. certainly yeah. is. Let me give that website quickly, folks. It's here, the watchman. And the only tricky thing is it's men, M-E-N, herethewatchman.com. I talked to Mike earlier today, and you can save some pretty significant money by ordering uh, tickets sooner than later. And, you know, I'll just, I know this kind of might sound like a little bit of a sales pitch or whatever, but, but it's not. I'm just telling you from my personal experience there. The best part about being there is that you are surrounded by a thousand brothers and sisters who know what you know, they feel what you feel, they're in this fight with you breast to shoulder, arms interlocked, they're with you. And, and you know, Joe, I'll just close out the bottom of this hour by saying this. The thing that touched me the most when we were in Dallas was people walked up to me, and it was kind of weird because they knew who I was, and I know you've gone through that uh, as well, Joe. It's a little bit strange to get used to. And you know what? They would just shake my hand, and they would say, thank you. And they'd say, God bless you, too. And they would just say, thank you. It was It was so cool. It was I, it, I, I'm at a loss for words. It was really something. And it's humbling. You need isn't fellowship, it? folks. You need fellowship. Yeah, yeah it's it's humbling and it's um, it's hard. I mean, uh, if you're like me, John, I know you you sit there and think, you know, uh, you're, you're uncomfortable when when that happens yeah. to you. Um, and I don't know if people really understand that, but because if you're like me, you don't you're not anybody special. You're just a normal guy doing what you're called to do and uh there shouldn't be any rewards or, or praise for that it's what we're supposed to do but when you get that um you know pat on the back and, and the thank yous and it is just something that you can't really describe in words folks we're talking with john robertson we're going to be back with him on the other side of this hour uh we had joe biggs in hour number one uh, we're going to get into some geopolitical news and current events on the other side with John, so stay with us on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. <clears throat> in case you joined us late, in hour number one, we were joined by InfoWars reporter Joe Biggs, <clears throat> who was reporting live from Dallas at the uh, Trump rally in Dallas, Texas. Uh, that was just a fantastic interview, so definitely go back and check that out. And in hour two, last hour, and through this hour and the rest of the show, we have John Robertson with us. He is the Hollywood insider, uh, our original Hollywood insider, who is now doing a number of things, including um, giving speeches at, at uh, prophecy conferences, started a radio show, uh, Brothers on the Wall, as well as writing a book. And uh, he is with us to talk about uh, issues of faith and spirituality to some current events and things we see going on in our world today. I'm going to turn it over to you, John. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And, and folks, you know, thank you for spending time with us here this evening. Uh, Joe and I and, and Doug and I sometimes talk about it off air, and we know uh, how valuable your time is. And, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking uh, the few moments that you do to to join us, you know, and thank you for your emails and, and for your, and especially for your prayers. You know, folks, there are days where I can feel the prayers. I mean, I can feel them. Like I, there are days where I, yeah. I have the good thing. Jesus said faith of a mustard seed, because there's days where that's about all I've got, <laughs> but I feel yeah. those prayers, Joe, I can feel them, you know? Um, and uh, thank you, Joe, for mentioning brothers on the wall. I'll just touch on that quickly for folks who are just uh, tuning in. Uh, God is good, and we have launched a new uh, show. My co-host Mike and I, that's Mike, who's the co-director of Hear the Watchman. Uh, be sure to check out Hear the Watchman, by the way, hearthewatchman.com. But we started a new show, Saturday nights on Blog Talk Radio, uh, in our good friend and super warrior for Christ, Brother Marcus's uh, old-time slot. And God bless you, Brother Marcus and Curtis. Uh, Brothers on the Wall, where we bring community watchmen up on the wall we bring names that you folks are very well familiar with. Pastor David Langford, L.A. Marzulli, Josh Tolley, 
we're going to be bringing John B. Wells up on the wall here pretty quick. But but we are also bringing brand new voices up on the wall, people who are checking in from all over the country and even all over the world who are starting Bible studies, who are taking that extra plate of food to the to the elderly person across the street, who are taking an extra hour on their Saturday to mow the single mom's lawn because she's working and living paycheck to paycheck, barely making it. So if you're a community watchman, we want you with us up on the wall, folks. That's Brothers on the Wall on Blog Talk Radio, Saturday evenings, 7 o'clock Eastern, brothersonthewall.com. And you can email either Mike or myself at info at brothersonthewall.com. And if you're writing, speaking, doing podcasts, uh, involved in your church, if you are out there being a difference maker, email us. We want to hear from you. Info at brothersonthewall.com. Folks, Joe and I are going to shift gears and talk a little bit about current events uh, in the third hour, but I uh, am going to hit Joe with a surprise question, and uh, he does not know what it is, but I was thinking about this uh, a little earlier, Joe. Take a moment, if you would, indulge me and the listeners. Joe, if you had, I don't know, let's say 10 minutes of just you and Trump in a room, cup of coffee, feet up on the coffee table, just you and Trump, and he looked at you and said, Joe, I've been listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I really appreciate you and your dad's work and the people that come on and the guests that call in. I'm not exactly sure what to do right now. What what advice do you have for me? Joe Hagman, what would you, what would you, give us some bullet points. What would you, uh, how would you instruct Donald Trump if you had his ear? Wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you were right, John. That is a, uh, definitely a surprise uh, question. <laughs> how would I, what would I say to Donald Trump to, to, to influence him? I would, I would ask him, uh, or tell him that, you know, as uh, a Christian nation, as people say, we are founded as a Christian nation, and he wants to make America great again, based on on his his campaign slogan, "Making America Great Again." Well, what made America great in the first place? And that was the the people, uh, the the citizens of this nation, who uh, you know, in for the majority of this nation's history. And the majority of the population were Bible-believing Christians. And we see all the technological changes that have happened, all the progress, the liberal, uh, you know, progress that's been made, the communism, the, the, uh, fascism, the, the democracy, the things that have come in and infected our society. Um, I would tell him to go back to the basics, to, to stop the restrictions on, um, religion for instance, in schools. Number one, you know, abortions. You know, we have to end the innocent, uh, the slaughtering of innocent children on a daily basis, in any basis. That would be number one. And then two, I would, I would tell him to, to get in his Bible, to get, uh, a, a small team of, uh, true Bible believing pastors as counsel and to ask the Lord for for what he wants Donald to do with the country. Because I don't think any human really... I mean, when we talk about the powers of the world, the political powers, economic powers of the world, behind that veil of power is always a spiritual power or principality. And 
it's either one of two ways. It's either evil or it's of the Lord. And when we understand and realize that these spiritual powers and principalities are what really drives and controls the people, thoughts, and ways of the world, then we can get to the root of the problem. But if if people, uh, presidential candidates, presidents, any politician or leader in any capacity uh, refuses to refuses to um, accept the Lord's existence, it, it's not going to work right. We have to get back to the basics. We have to get back to um, what the Lord laid out for us. Like it says in Isaiah 29, precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And that's that would be my advice for Trump. Um, you know what? Precept yeah. upon precept, line upon line. Isaiah 29, folks, you heard it. A great answer, Joe. And, and so, sorry for doing that to you, but I thought it would probably make a pretty good answer. And I know you want to jump into some uh, some current events and, and chat a little bit about that. So what have you got, Joe? Well, I want to ask you, John, what would you talk to Trump about? And uh, <laughs> No, I'm kidding. We, uh, we can get into the current <laughs> events. Um, no, I want, I, in all uh, seriousness, I wanted to talk to you and get your take on, on what's happened in Orlando. We had two shooting incidents on Saturday. There, there was a singer from The Voice, um, which, you know, these are unrelated apparently, but it's very odd. Um, a fan shot the singer in the head in, or, in a concert in Orlando on Saturday night, and then we had this massacre at the this homosexual bar called The Pulse in Orlando, Florida. Now, I've lived in, in our uh, relatively small city, my whole life, I've had the opportunity to travel to bigger cities, but never lived in a big city. Um, and, you know, we don't have too many uh, homosexual clubs around here. We don't have the the violence like the big cities do. I mean, we do, but it's just in much smaller pockets. I just, um, you know, what do you make of this Omar Mateen? All the information we've seen about him, his wife now, who knew about the crimes before it happened, is apparently missing the FBI meeting with him three separate times, the uh, precursors from Disney calling the police to the gun manufacturer, gun shops calling the police days before the attack as he tried to buy body armor and guns. It seems like all the uh, things were in place to catch this shooter before he carried out his act of violence, yet it still was not acted on, even though the FBI had knowledge. And it has come out, he was a, a G4S employee, that is a contracting company under the Department of Homeland Security. And there's just a lot of, of weird stuff about this story that is bothering me. And, you know, people are calling it a hoax, a false flag. We see that every time these shootings happen. And that's because there really is a disconnect of facts from the mainstream media given to the people. And they refuse to, to cover the truth and inconsistencies uh, because there's always an agenda behind these things. Never let a good crisis go to waste. But... What do you see from this uh, shooting? Do you think this was some kind of... Because in my mind, you know, we hear also hear rumors that this guy had might have been a homosexual himself, had homosexual apps on his phone and, and other tendencies leaning toward that way. So you wonder if it's somebody who hated his own way of life or own behavior versus somebody who uh, was, I don't know, a terrorist sympathizer, you know, calling the police department or calling the news agency right before he did it and, and claiming or giving his allegiance to ISIS. 
to me that you know does that mean he was a part of ISIS if he had no direct contact with them or just decided to go do this and and then call and and basically give credit to them for this and, and that goes into the projection of ISIS's power versus their actual power but um what do you make of all this well you know what let's let's take this on let's thank you Joe and let's define this and and just do a a a, a broad stroke analysis on three levels folks let's take the the questions that Joe posed and let's look at them on a spiritual level let's look at them on a tactical level and then let's push them through the lens of Hollywood and I will use my expertise having worked 16 years in Hollywood to perhaps mm, maybe not shine some light on the story but point out a few oddities uh, per an email that I sent to Doug early Sunday morning by the way, folks, I will redirect you uh, in your free time back to the Hagman and Hagman archives. Doug and Joe uh, took time out of their schedules and away from their family Sunday evening to go live and address this. And that was a fine effort, by the way, Joe. Uh, but let's take a look at this um, spiritually, tactically, and and with a Hollywood perspective. Spiritually, I believe that there is possibly a very large story here in the sense that First, we had the singer, uh, Grimmy, uh, cute young girl, 20 years old, uh, star of The Voice. I will mention quickly, folks, that I've worked uh, next to The Voice at both Warner Brothers during its first season and over at Universal during subsequent seasons. I never worked on the show, but interestingly, on Pretty Little Liars, I worked right next to their stage at Warner Brothers and on a uh, single-season show with Katherine Heigl called State of, uh, State of Affairs at Universal. I worked next to the voice stage there. So a little bit of a connection there. But this poor young lady, she gets, uh, she gets shot in the head. Uh, it kind of had that sort of John Hinckley kind of feel to it, or Mark David Chapman, uh, the assassin of John Lennon. But when I saw that news item, Joe, the only thing I thought, and consider this, folks, the only thing I thought after I said, my goodness, what a shame, was I hope she was saved. I hope she was under the blood. And praise God, it turns out that not only was she saved, but she was a very vocal um, and articulate uh, follower of Christ, disciple of Christ even. So, so God bless her soul. Following evening, Pulse Nightclub, Orlando, 320-some-odd people, I believe, in this nightclub. Having lived in San Francisco and Hollywood, coming up through the restaurant and bar business and then into the entertainment business, I have had uh, acquaintances and friends to a degree who are homosexual, both men and women, on and off through the years. And, and a, a, an environment like Pulse, Joe, is, is just an environment so antithetical to the idea of somebody coming in and shooting the place up. I talked to Sergeant Tim uh, and folks, Sergeant Tim is the editor of Outlaw Patriot News. Check that out if you like. That's where we post all of our original articles. But anyway, I talked to Sergeant Tim for a military perspective, 19 years active duty down in Texas. And he made a couple of points about some tactical issues. And I made one about a Am I still on? Yeah, you. Uh, I heard you say I made one about, and then it cut out for a second there. <laughs> Uh, bear, bear with us, folks. This is live radio. But uh, I was speaking to Sergeant Tim, and he made a few tactical observations. And I made a speculate. I, I speculated about a spiritual possibility. And this was on Sunday afternoon. 
And I said, you know, I have a funny feeling that this guy may have been a closeted homosexual or, or somebody dealing with same-sex attraction, same-sex tendencies, what have you. Uh, again, I'm out on a speculative branch right now, but since we already are out on that branch, I would even suggest that there is a possibility that he could be a victim of SRA, satanic ritual abuse, or he could be a, a victim of uh, MKUltra-type personality splitting. Uh, he's got a very military look and a very military bearing about him. Uh, I have a lot of military friends from working with American Survival Wholesale these many years, and uh, a lot of my military buddies checked in and basically said, look, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, we know one another when we see each other, in uniform or out, and this guy's got a very military bearing. So is it possible that that perhaps uh, some form of homosexual abuse was placed upon this person at a younger age? Now you've got a walking civil war, a combination G.I. Joe, and somebody fighting this terrible same-sex attraction. And when you add to that this uh, Muslim faith, to whatever degree he was practicing, uh, you know, professing death upon homosexuals. So you've got a ticking time bomb. You've got somebody who's capable and somebody who is full of self-hatred and consider this, folks, wants to kill the part of them that they hate. Again, I'm out on a thin branch of speculation. Let's roll that back a little bit and speak tactically for a moment. I know a lot of Hagman and Hagman listeners are pro-Second Amendment people, and I know many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are from a little more passive point of view, and that's fine as well. I myself personally, Joe and, and Hagman uh, family, I am a pro-Second Amendment guy. I own guns. Uh, you're not taking my guns. So I've been shooting for 20 years. I'm pretty familiar with most of the, the major platforms in long guns and handguns. And one thing I would encourage listeners to really think about, okay, it is understood that in special forces, okay, Army, uh, Marine Corps, etc., that a, a uh, number of rounds fired to hit ratio and number of rounds fired to kill ratio is about five to one or four to one. So what that means, folks, is for every four rounds you put through a weapon, you're going to get a hit. And especially if it's with a long gun, most of those hits, or many of them, will in fact be kill shots because the, uh, the bullets are larger. Four to one or five to one. Now, that's a highly trained special operator. Those are the guys that were in Benghazi. Those are Navy SEAL Team 6. Those are the guys that were in the movie 13 Hours, okay? Special operators. Civilians who are trained, civilians who have been to the firearms courses, they tend to run a nine to one or a 10 to one shots fired to hit ratio. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that this guy would have had to carry in an enormous load of ammo. Now, they're saying he was using an AR-15-style long gun. He was actually using a Sig Sauer long gun. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. it shoots the same caliber ammo that the military M4 or its predecessor, the M16, fired, it's multiple. which is a NATO 5.56 or a Remington 223. Folks, it's a big bullet out of a rifle. Imagine yeah, this. this it shoots multiple sorry, Joe, it shoots, uh, from what I understand, it shoots at least four different uh, caliber of, of bullets. Uh, well, they so it, can. The primary uh, platform, the, it, just real quick, the M16 was developed by Colt in the late 50s to fire what they call 5.56 millimeter NATO. When you convert that to the American, quote-unquote, standard measurement system, that would be a two two three caliber Remington. 
and you can switch barrels out and you can you can there are methods whereby you can shoot different ammo but basically it's one of two rounds a 556 five, millimeter nato or 223 caliber remington but but here's what i really want listeners to think about the number of rounds at a 10 to 1 rounds fired versus hit ratio and this is again a trained civilian not somebody who just picked up the weapon for the first time he would be walking into that nightclub this is where i have a problem joe and i'll bounce this off you he would be walking into that nightclub where it has been stated by many witnesses he was well known and had been many times before with an enormous number of magazines loaded with bullets now for those of you who don't shoot ammo is heavy the standard magazine for that long gun platform is a 30 round box mag okay when that's full of ammo it's heavy this guy would have literally been sneaking into a club joe with what would be the equivalent of about six or seven uh, bricks under his leather jacket or his jacket. Plus, where's he going to put the long gun? I mean, it's, it's been stated all across mainstream media that there was an off-duty Orlando police officer running security. Folks, how did he get, you know, a thousand-plus rounds of ammo into this uh, gay club? And how did he get a long gun that measures minimum 30-plus inches in there as well? It just doesn't make sense. Joe, I'll hand it back to you, and then we can talk a little bit about the Hollywood perspective. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It doesn't make sense um, unless he was to start the shooting from outside and working his way in, but there are uh, conflicting reports. Some say that he came in through the front door and then started shooting afterwards. Some say he came in through a side door and uh, started shooting. But, no, the amount of damage that was done the uh, from one person and, and the amount of time that he was in there, there is missing uh, time from the police scanner, three hours, uh, that you actually have to buy um, through Broadcastify to subscribe to their uh, service, and you can get those three hours. But he was in there for a long time without any um, inter- intervention from the cops. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, there was multiple reports of, of multiple shooters, including a woman being involved. And since uh, we can move to the Hollywood side of this. I want to get your, I want to ask you about crisis actors. Uh, I've been, you know, hearing a lot about uh, what these people are, uh, that these are, are people who are involved in drills, who play a role of victim or terrorist in order to uh, better prepare emergency response personnel and law enforcement agencies to train for disasters. But there seems to be an overlap with a lot of these actual live shootings and crisis actors what in in hollywood in your capacity if any did you have you come across uh, the crisis actors well that's an excellent question joe thank you and and to answer that we're going to have to examine uh three of these quote unquote mass casualty events uh i like to give the hagman listeners resources uh, doug and joe and myself we like to put tools in your toolbox so Grab a pen or pencil and write this down. You need to go on a search engine. We like start page uh, because it's more private. And type in capstone event. That's capstone, C-A-P, stone, event. And you can also type in M-C-E. That's mass casualty event. Those uh, searches, folks, will enable you to uh, increase your level of understanding of what we're talking about right now. That being said, crisis actors, okay, who are they, what are they, and, and how do they play into this? The first thing I would point out is that there, there is some very sloppy strategizing 
with these crisis actors. I'm speaking of the overlap of the incident at the quote-unquote incident at Sandy Hook and the incident in 2014 in Boston. It has been taken down, but fortunately people downloaded it and they can, and it has been reposted. But Don Hockstrom, the supposed principal of Sandy Hook, was interviewed by mainstream media on the street outside the Boston bombing. What are the chances? Same lady, no question about it. We have the technology now, folks, to do facial recognition scanning where they measure things like the distance between your earlobes and they can measure the finite space in the gaps in your teeth. So when I say it's Don Hockstrom in the picture, that may or may not be her name, but it is the same human being. Also, uh, what was his name? Noah, Noah Pod, Podstrom, I believe. The little, the little boy who was supposedly a victim of Sandy Hook popped up with his picture all over a wall in Pakistan in late 2014, early 2015 as a victim of a supposed mass casualty event in, I believe it was Islamabad, Pakistan. So in Hollywood, folks, we have a, 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 an infrastructure that is the same as the military, okay? From the executive producer to the director to the script supervisor, the script supervisor is in charge of continuity across the board, to the onset dresser who is in charge of continuity of all of the sets and the atmosphere and the environment, to the prop master who's in charge of continuity with all of the props. There are many, many very well-paid and highly skilled people whose job it is to make sure that in Hollywood productions they don't make these silly mistakes like using the same background player from one scene to the next so that people when they're watching the movie catch it. And interestingly, Joe and Hagman listeners, since I've been working in Hollywood, many, many people have said over the years that the thing that drives them crazy the most is when an actor's smoking a cigarette in a scene and then when they cut back to him, he's not. Or when there's a lit candle on the table and when they cut back to that point of view, the candle's not there. It drives people nuts. So mm -hmm. we have a, an infrastructure, a pre-existing infrastructure that is designed and very highly trained and very well paid. You know, these people make six figures to prevent this type of thing from happening. Now, let's go back to the uh, tragedy uh, last Saturday night, Sunday morning in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. Crisis actors. There's a couple of ways that you can tell that people don't, essentially don't know what they're doing. In Hollywood, background actors, okay, what they used to call dress extras or extras, uh, often do what's called an A to B. And an A to B is simply when the second AD, that's the second assistant director, they are the person who run the background players, they will position background at point A. And at a given moment in the scene, it is that background player's job to walk from point A to point B. The camera will catch a piece of that and it creates uh, organic uh, lively, livelihood in the background as a scene unfolds. Skilled background actors know that they know how to, how to conduct themselves. They know, how to, they know how to comport themselves when they're on camera. They, they, they will stop and look at their watch. They will pick a piece of lint off their trousers. They will uh, uh, snap their head around and look at something real quick and then look back. They, they know, Joe, they learn over years how to present themselves in an organic manner. They may scratch their head or, or, uh, or, or move their hand across their eyebrow or something like that. Crisis actors inevitably are doing specifically and solely the only action they've been told to do. If they say, pick up this body and move it from point A to point B, you never see them 
doing anything other than 100% focus on that task. That's one way that you can nail them. Another way is there's almost always somebody when they're, when they're a crisis actor who's – crisis actors are like one step beneath like you know suburban dinner theater. And no offense to any uh, aspiring thespians out there, but uh, they will often – they have this weird thing where they want to look at the camera, and they often do. Now, they may not put their eyes directly into the lens point of view, but they have this weird – I don't know if it's ego or what it is where they want to look at the camera. The other thing I would mention when you look at these potential crisis actors, I'm thinking of the Boston Marathon uh, incident as well as the incident at Pulse in Orlando. They, 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 they move in ways that human beings don't move. One of the things I saw in uh, uh, alternative media yesterday is four or five people carrying a quote-unquote victim uh, across the parking lot, but the victim is stiff as a board, as though as though they, they're using all their abdominal muscles and core strength to maintain a, a prone uh, posture that is parallel to the ground. Now, any victim that suffered any kind of trauma is going to be carried like a sack of potatoes. They're going to slump in the middle. You're going to have them four-point carry or whatever, and they're going, to have, you know, they're going to have their butt dragging just above the ground. That's what it really looks like. Folks, go on one of your search engines and look at some of the trauma scenes from terrorist acts that have occurred in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa, etc. Those are the real deal. Then go back and look at Orlando and look at the Boston bombing. The other thing, Joe, and I'll hand it back to you, is this. Folks, having lived in Los Angeles, I've seen some terrible car accidents in my life. And I also saw, uh, when I was a younger man, I saw an off-duty police officer shoot uh, an assailant uh, right in the neck. And then he shot him twice more when he was on the ground. When, when trauma like that, when gunshot wounds, severe automobile accidents, and Doug could attest to this as well. When those occur, folks, there is an enormous amount of, of EMT and paramedic uh, detritus all over the ground. They work so fast and so hard to preserve life. They are tri- they're going through what's called triage so quickly. They're determining, they're making life and death determinations on a split second. They are ripping open packages of Curlix, blood clot, Israeli battle bandages, tubing, IVs, catheters. Uh, I mean, they'll do tracheotomies right there if that's going to keep the person alive. It creates an enormous amount of litter. Stop and think about this, Hagman family. When you cut your finger and you go into the bathroom to just put on a simple Band-Aid, how many little pieces of scrap are all over the bathroom counter just because you cut your finger? This is a mass casualty event, a capstone event. Remember that term? 53 hospitalized, 49 dead. The shooter makes number 50. Folks, there would be litter ankle deep from the paramedics working furiously to triage people and to save lives. And lastly, when you look at triage uh, incidents, and I've dressed many of them in Hollywood. I, w- I worked on the show Providence, which was a big hospital show. I worked on Alias, The Agency. I worked on the hospital show Hawthorne. I've been around triage sets a lot. They always have a command post, and they have four colored tarps. Those four colored tarps are black, green, red, or kind of an orangish color, and white. Those four colored tarps, Joe, and Hagman listeners, are a quick way for the emergency uh, service people to determine the severity of somebody's wound. Okay, massive gunshot wound, abdominal chest wound, sucking wound, a head shot, uh, a neck shot, 
uh, femoral artery bleeding all over the place, they go on a specific colored tarp because they must be evacuated and get, and get into a trauma center immediately or they will die. Somebody who's, you know, got whiplash and sprained their ankle and some cuts and bruises, they're going to be over on a different colored tarp. Again, look at the exterior of the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Where is the litter? Where is the blood? Where are the triage tarps? Joe, I know I got long-winded. I'll pass it back to you. No, that was uh, that was fantastic, John. Um, that's a segment I am going to go back and re-listen to, as I did take some notes, but I, I couldn't get it all. You pointed out a number of interesting, uh, interesting. You made a number of interesting points that uh, about these shooting events, the the triage aspect of it, the and that's something I never thought about. You know, like you said, the litter, the uh, the waste that would be left laying around from uh, being having uh, emergency medical personnel treating uh, seriously wounded people right there on the scenes, like you said, you know. Trakes had to be done. People have to have their wounds uh, closed up uh, in order to be transported. You know, their arteries shut from stopped from bleeding. There is, you know, so much that uh, it takes to do that for each person. You know, uh, each individual injury, and uh, that's something that you don't see. And uh, the crisis actors comparing actual terrorist attacks or or casualty events that we know are real that have happened versus the mannerisms of uh, people in these other uh, attacks that we see that people call false flags. Uh, doing that and comparing those, that, that would be a huge advantage um, because I see people throwing out videos now about, you know, green screens um, being used in the interviews for family members of this disaster. And, um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever really get to the bottom of this on this side of uh, you know, before Jesus returns, uh, getting to the truth of the matter when it comes to these uh, mass casualty issues, uh, whether they're, you know, in what regards are, there hoax- are they hoaxes if they are. But there's definitely something not right when it comes to these, uh, you know, these mass shooting events and terrorist attacks because, uh, I mean, each one, you know, you, you see more and more inconsistencies pointed out. Um, and and it, it's hard to argue sometimes, especially when you go back and look at Sandy Hook. There were, uh, what, 24 children that were said to be killed. And nobody wants to, to sit there and say that, oh, you know, that you're, you guys are a liar. Nobody died. Because it doesn't have to be um, completely fabricated to be a false flag. You know, people do die in false flags. The, the, the false flag doesn't mean it was a fake hoax attack it means that it was done with intentions and purposes that were different from what would be presented as the actual uh, motivation but john what do you think of this uh this was from the daily caller yesterday dhs secretary right wingers pose same threat as islamic extremists not only that article but there was another article um here it is uh and it was uh, the lgbt blames christians for orlando attacks how can the media get away with you know posting this nonsense and not only, i mean they get away with posting it people believe it are we that well jesus jesus gave us an answer to that in uh, one of the first chapters of john they are of their father the devil uh, Joe, I appreciate that question, and uh, I will say this directly, too. 
the Secretary of uh, the Department of Homeland uh, Security, Jay Johnson. You, sir, are a stooge. And that is my comment on that. I would like to get Mr. Johnson to uh, interview uh, our fallen brother, Lavoy Finicum, and let's talk to him about who's murdering who and who's responsible for what in these in these varied circumstances. Now, I personally, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I personally agreed with the uh, occurrence at the Bundy Ranch. I felt that those people had a right to defend their property and their lives. The Malheur uh, Reservation, I felt like that was taking it a step too far. On Caravan to Midnight, I compared it to when the South, during the Civil War, invaded Pennsylvania. And for those of you who aren't too up on your Civil War history, the South won every battle in the first two years. The Civil War began to turn, the tide began to turn over a single crucial event, and it occurred in Pennsylvania, and it it occurred in the town of Gettysburg. The South should have never crossed the Mason-Dixon line because they never recovered from that. And I think that's what happened with uh, Lavoie Fenicum and his party up at that refuge, taking uh, weapons and ammo and women and children up into a federal property. Me personally, I believe everything they say about the constitutional rights. I understand we're under laws of admiralty, et cetera. I don't want to go too far with this, but I that's think they made analogy. a mistake doing that. Okay, they made a no, mistake. That's just my opinion. I agree I with you. I still don't want them locked up. Uh, thank you for that, Joe. Now, back to the original question, which is uh, the uh, sec- uh, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security making this comment. Folks, this is where you really have to pray for discernment, because I made this analogy the other night on air. If you have to untie a big wet rope that's got so many knots in it, it just looks like a bunch of pretzels hanging out together. What do you have to do to untie that rope? You have to grasp one end and begin working that end through the business end to get the to get the knot untied and no matter how big the knot is as long as you work that end eventually you will untie the knot i would submit to the hagman listeners tonight joe that the mainstream media has become so corrupted it has become so bought and paid for folks listen to me i am from hollywood you can seat around anybody's kitchenette dining room table the men who make the decisions in this country i don't care if you're watching msnbc fox cnn etc I'm talking Ted Turner, I'm talking Rupert Murdoch, I'm talking the Salzburg family, I'm talking the CEO of GE, I'm talking the CEO of Disney, and I'm talking the Sumner Redstone people. Boom, I just laid it out for you. Those are the people who are giving you your talking points around the water cooler. So folks, listen. Be a faithful child of God. Don't be a parrot, okay? Don't listen to what Megyn Kelly says, or even God bless him. Don't listen to what Sean Hannity says, and then turn around the next day and regurgitate it as though it's your own thought. Because it isn't. You're just parroting what the powers that be. And trust me, these exist. You know, you hear often on these shows, oh, there's no such thing as a star chamber. Well, there may not be, but there is a such thing as the top floor of the Disney Tower and the ABC Tower. And there's a such thing as the top floors at Rockefeller Center. And I will tell you what goes on in those top floors is the manipulation of the people's minds. Now, back to the Secretary of Homeland Security. When they were searching for that, uh, that Zarnoff brother, the second one, uh, that they found in the boat, I heard a regular citizen make a comment on InfoWars, and I'll paraphrase it. He said, you know, uh, if this were 100 years ago, the police would be inside our homes. We'd be feeding them, getting, making them coffee, and we, all of us, would be out with our weapons searching for this criminal and bringing them to justice. Now, I'm not a proponent of taking a Wild West mentality, folks, but I will tell you this. 
I'm, I'm borrowing this from Alex Jones. Hitler took the guns. Hugo Chavez took the guns. Pol Pot took the guns. Mao Zedong took the guns. Okay, you see a pattern here? They try to disarm you so that you are impotent to defend your family, to defend your faith, and to defend the defenseless around you. And that is what they're trying to do. I hope, Joe, that 50 people didn't lose their lives in Orlando. I hope that if, in fact, 50 people did, that many of them, maybe they were having, struggling with same-sex tendencies. Maybe they were living a full-blown homosexual lifestyle. God is a God of forgiveness, and I'm not a proponent of that, but I also believe that we shouldn't uh, stand in the ultimate judgment of someone's soul. I hope that many of them knew Christ to one degree or another. That is my most sincere hope. But folks, you need to pay attention to this, and Joe, I'll hand it back to you. You need to pay attention. These are pitiful, staged events that would never pass muster in even the cheapest no-budge Hollywood show, the most cheesy, non-union, $2 million straight-to-video piece of junk. These would never make it to post-production because they look ridiculous. Joe, you made a comment quickly about green screens. I've read that stuff about Sandy Hook. Look at the details, folks. Why is it on that day, what, a few days before Christmas in Connecticut? Nobody's wearing green. But, oh-ho, the next night on Anderson Cooper, green was Vicky's favorite color. We're all wearing green to celebrate Vicky. Well, there you go. They realize their mistake, and then they overcorrect it. It's also something that happens in Hollywood from time to time. Look at the details. Look at that school at Sandy Hook. There were three-foot-high weeds in the flower beds around the playground and the access and egress doors. Now, it was mid to late December. School's been in since September. Don't you think all those little munchkins would have trampled those weeds flat and and buried them in the mud during recess over the course of three months, folks? Yeah, that's exactly what would have happened. You would not have brown, winterized stalks of weeds that are knee-high to these little elementary school kids. They would have all been trampled. They wouldn't be there, but they are there, and that's a problem. And those that list goes on and on. I don't want to take up too much more time. Joe, I'll hand it back to you. Fantastic analysis, John. Uh, just right on the money um, with everything that you're you're talking about. Um, if, let's let's talk about the uh, if we can. We only got about ten minutes left here. We see. Uh, what the president, I don't know if you saw his speech, I think it was yesterday, where he looked really angry and he was talking about the term radical Islam. Um, we're getting reports that uh, Obama is blocking terrorist probes. We know that the uh, Orlando shooter had Disney call the police on him, had three in, you know interviews by the FBI, had the, a gun dealership call the FBI on this man. Um, you know, the see something, say something. It, it seems like the citizens did their job. The, the gun companies did their, their job here. And yet there was still a hole in, in the security, in the follow through or whatever it was. Um, it seems like everything, they did everything right, you know, uh, at least the, the, the people who observed this man and his behavior, uh, by contacting the authorities, by, by, uh, recognizing that there was something, something wrong. Yet it still fell through the cracks. Now, not recognizing this this radical Islam threat, and uh, I want to tie this back into Christianity if we can. Do you see a, a possible way? Because and in, and in, in you're working in Hollywood. I know the imaginations there just have to be uh, off the charts in, in some cases um, because of, of just the amount of, of 
shows and, and different ideas that are, are put out on a daily basis from Hollywood, from the movies to the TV sets. Uh, you know, do you see that with the, with the economy, with the presidential election, with the climate of the country, and in your experience in Hollywood, in uh, plots and, you know, setting up the perfect, as you were talking about earlier, the perfect sets and making sure the visuals are correct, making sure everything looks, you know, as, as accurate and as close to, to real-life scenarios as possible. Do you see, uh, have, have we, is there a perfect storm brewing here? Is there a, would yeah. there be a better time to strike with an economic collapse uh, or a, you know, nationwide disaster that would bring in some type of martial law? Are we in the, uh, you know, in that area of, you know, now or never? Or do you think that, that, um, that there's some more surprises down the road before we get to that point of uh, no return? Well, that's an excellent question, Joe, and, and uh, let, me, uh, let me give you what I can here in the remaining minutes of the show this evening. Uh, Hollywood is one of the most omnipotent, powerful, well-moneyed machines in the history of humanity, okay? Uh, is Hollywood the primary conditioning mechanism uh, for the Luciferian agenda? Yes. Does Hollywood know that it is the primary conditioning mechanism for the Luciferian agenda? Yes. However, just like uh, Washington, D.C., Hollywood is compartmentalized, and that is very powerful because the people who want to get further up the greased ladder that is Hollywood will ignore certain things. They'll turn a blind eye to certain things. I remember I talked about this. Folks, quickly, go back to the Hagman and Hagman Report archives, June 25th, 2015, October 9th, 2015. Two shows, Doug and Joe and myself talking about Hollywood, and I, and I, I go into a lot of this on those shows. Where are we at right now? Again, take it to prayer, folks, because the only way we're going to find that one end of this, this, this miasma of news weirdness, this big knot that we're looking at, is through the discernment that we can receive through Christ. Now, let's talk about this Muslim thing for a second. Albert Pike wrote a letter to uh, Manzini, to uh, Genovese Manzini, I believe, was, or Giuseppe Manzini. Started with mm -hmm. a G, but his last name is Manzini. I know you know the letter, Joe. Uh, mm -hmm. Do a search, folks. Again, start page is a good uh, a good start uh, because it's a little more anonymous. It separates your IP from your search, and their servers are in the Netherlands, and the Netherlands does not have a data sharing um, uh, agreement with the United States. Go to start page and look up Albert Pike or Albert Pike's letter or Albert Pike Manzini. I believe that's M-A-Z-Z-I-N-I. In that letter, about 100 years ago, he outlined what the plan was, and the plan was simple. He outlined World War I uh, to recreate national nation-states away from monarchies. He outlined World War II to create the Cold War and the War of the East versus the West, and he outlined World War III, and World War III uh, stood to use uh, Islamic extremism, okay? Understand where these people come from. They come from an incredibly hot, arid land where there's no, there's no water, there's no jobs, there's oftentimes not enough food. You have an oppressed people who, who know not the redemption of Christ. They are rife to be sucked into Satan's masterpiece. Satan's masterpiece is the religion of Islam. Folks, this, if you're a Christian, this should make your heart weep. How many billions of good men and women have gone straight to hell because they were deceived 
under the big lie that is Islam. How many? How many? If you're a true Christian and, 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 and you're under the blood, that should break your heart. Now, I'm not a big fan of the Muslims right now. We've got some serious problems. They are responsible for pretty much all of the terrorist acts around the world and these mass casualty events and these mass shootings. And what do we do? We try to be nice. We open up our borders. We open up our, our social welfare programs. And what do they do? They come in almost like agent provocateurs, and they start trouble. That's the bottom line. But as Christians, we need to realize that, yes, Hollywood is pumping your head full of lies. Okay? You can turn your TV off or even throw it away. I'm not saying you can't go to the movies, but use discernment. Go see what Pure Flix is putting out. Uh, you can still go to the movies. But Hollywood, yes, it's pumping out a, a, a massive machination of lies. The boots on the ground are the Muslims. That's Satan's army that he's using to antagonize us, to confuse us, to make us angry so that we start thinking in terms of bullets rather than thinking in terms of the Bible. And that's what's going down. Now, what do we need to do? We need to pray for these people and realize that they have a soul as much as anybody hearing my voice does. And I think that I have at least a reasonable enough understanding of hell. I don't want anybody going there. Nobody. So, you know, Joe, I'll hand it back to you, but folks, if you want to hear more about Hollywood, I talk about it a lot on Brothers on the Wall, Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, brothersonthewall.com, and be sure to go to uh, brothersonthewall.com or outlawpatriotnews.wordpress.com because I have two articles up right now about Hollywood. One of them is The Evidence of Things Not Seen, HH Connections to Brothers on the Wall. It's a personal testimony about the journey that Jesus Christ has taken me on. The Hagmans are in that story prominently. And then the second article is called Hollywood, The Road In, The Road Out. And I'll make this uh, my final comment, and I'll hand it back to you, Joe. Folks, you are in the fight of your life, okay? Sitting on the sidelines isn't going to work any longer. Like Doug says, you were born for this time. Like Brother Augusto Perez says, you need to get into your assigned seat. Like Steve Quayle says, there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. I need the Christian remnant to stop thinking they're going to go to a gunfight packing a squirt gun. Enough is enough. We need you on the Hagman and Hagman Report. We need you up on the wall. You've, uh, many of you are familiar with the butterfly effect. It suggests that the flapping of a butterfly's wings on one side of the earth can create a tsunami on the other. Well, what can prayer do? What did Christ tell us, Joe, can be done with a single mustard seed of faith? So if you're building preps, and I highly recommend you do, <laughs> get your water, get your food, get your guns and ammo, get your junk silver. But maybe the first thing that every single one of you listeners need to get tonight is that mustard seed of faith. Joe? Amen. Joan, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on tonight. Um, you added tremendous insight into both uh, some current events that are going on in our world today and to the spiritual side in your walk uh, with with Jesus and the things that he's leading you to do. Again, uh, for folks out there, can you give the, the uh, website name and the uh, show name and time? where people can listen to your, your new show, Brothers on the Wall? Thank you, Joe, I will. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, Saturday evenings, every Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern, that's 7 p.m. Eastern, Brothers on the Wall, brothersonthewall.com. We've got great articles up at outlawpatriotnews.wordpress.com. And lastly, folks, I would love to meet you, give you a hug, pray with you. 
Uh, I know it's hard. We're in tough financial times, but if you can make it out to Knoxville, I'll be there uh, September 30th through October 1st, and that is at Hear the Watchman, M-E-N, hearthewatchman.com. Folks, God bless each and every one of you. Stay strong, keep your heads on a swivel, and, and get in this fight with us. Joe, thank you so much. You know I love you, brother. God bless you. Love you too, John. God bless you too. And uh, look forward to, to listening to your shows and reading your articles and uh, especially uh, your book. And um, we'll definitely have to continue to, to cross-promote the radio shows. And uh, you just let us know any way we can help you, and we will definitely do that. Uh, again, thanks for, for filling in, and you have a great night, John. Thank you. All right. Thank you, brother, and God bless. God bless you too. That was, again, John Robertson of uh, our Hollywood Insider, uh, brothersonthewall.com. And uh, folks, check out their new radio show Sunday or Saturday nights at 7 p.m. And uh, John's working on a new book. And as he said, he'll be speaking at the Hear the Watchman conference in Knoxville, Tennessee in September, uh, September 30th, I believe. Go to hearthewatchman.com and you can get all the information there. Tomorrow night, John McTiernan is our guest. If you want to check out some of his work, go to defendproclaimthefaith.org. Defendproclaimthefaith.org. Um, he has a lot going on on his website. He's got uh, his podcast up there. He's got uh, articles, the Bible verse of the day, his book, uh, books, God's Final Warning to America, uh, which is free on his website in PDF format as well as his latest book, America Has Done to Israel, uh, by John P. McTiernan. And um, he will be with us on tomorrow to talk about his perspective of the Orlando shootings, as well as uh, the, politi- the political jargoning uh, that is taking place uh, from stemming from these shootings, and um, many other stories. You know, this whole week seems to be a big focus on what has happened in Orlando, and there are many things going on behind the scenes and under the radar as the coverage of Orlando is dominating all news, and uh, rightfully so. It's a horrible thing. Um, but one of the things, you know, they keep saying it's the worst mass sh- uh, shooting in the U.S. history. That is uh, so far from correct. Uh, we don't have time to get into it now as we're in the last minutes. But again, uh, if you if you join us late, Joe Biggs is with us for hour one. Uh, John Robertson, hour two and three, he was with us, and it was a fantastic show. Go back and listen to Joe Biggs. Again, drop him a line. Uh, go to his Twitter, Facebook, YouTube account. He's an InfoWars reporter. And let him know uh, what you thought of the interview. We're definitely going to have him back. And again, tomorrow night, John McTiernan. And don't forget, next Tuesday, we are going to have Jack Cashill in studio as a guest with his new book, TWA Flight 800. Have a good night, everyone. This is the Global Star Radio Network.